Thanks for listening to the Von Hessler Doctrine podcast. Remember, you can hear the show from 4 to 7 on 95.5 WSB and follow the doctrine on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter for even more content. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at this point, the show is no longer governed by the edicts of the FCC, which means that probably Autumn will get things going with really filthy talk, and then we'll join in. So if you have children in the car with you or around you, uh, things are going to change at this point, or maybe not, but they could. You need to know that they could. Time for a little truth. I don't care. Hold on. I'm writing a note. I don't care about that Jason Aldean song. Just don't care. Yeah. Weird. Like, you feel like you're supposed oh, this is a thing and everybody's talking about it. And like, nope. Just don't care. Welcome to the Von Hessler Doctrine pre-show. I am uh, your host this week because our normal host... Uh, well, he's not so normal, but you know what I mean. Right. Consistently, usually the host is Stefan Pappas, and he's uh, taking a week to uh, hang out with his family, some in some other state somewhere. People do that in the summertime, from what they I do. understand. Seems like an old kind of uh, uh, idea to me, but uh, but it was never part of my life when I was growing up. We never took vacations and did things like that. So it's it's still something that stuns me when people say, "Yeah, I'm taking the family, and we're going to X, and we're gonna." We're going to have fun, because I never think of that as fun. I was a well-traveled child. Really? We went on many vacations, uh, international, too. I I turned three in Costa Rica, because my grandpa had moved there. By the way, that's George Clark. Yes. Who uh, sort of runs the ship here, telling us about uh, being an international jet setter as a child. Yeah. Um, Did you, were the, so these were like, Good vacations, because there's, there's different levels. I mean, I mean, vacations, maybe the ones that are, are lower are actually best. But you've got your, like from me growing up, the pe- the families that I looked at that we weren't like. So you have the, uh, you have the kind of like uh, middle class, let's attach a trailer to the station wagon and we'll go to a national forest or something and we'll vacation. Maybe we'll go to a couple of them and we'll see a few sites along the mm-hmm. way. And then there's like... You know, we're going VIP. We're going. We're going to Paris. This, yeah. You know. I, was, so, which one were you? Not so much like that. I mean, we we did. I was lucky. My mom's from England, so we had family to go back to when we went back there. So that was, you know, what a part of what I was thinking when I said I was internationally traveled as a child. Right. I, I so she didn't have to worry to to about England. hotels exactly. and expenses. She had, she had to come up with plane tickets. You know, get you there, get you back. Once she got there, she's from there, so she had places exactly. to stay. Exactly. And then it was about nine, we went on a big trip to Europe, and we went, uh, like, Switzerland, Czechoslovakia. Wow. And it was, you know, we were not in, like, the nicest hotels ever, but right. in nice hotels. And my, uh, that was when Carl, my first stepdad, proposed to uh, my mom. Oh, right. Yeah. And obviously. On a gondola in Venice. Oh, were you there? I was there. I, oh. I was in charge of taking photos. There was a gentleman named Massimo that was, like, hammered, right, uh, driving the Oh, the guy, the, the guy yeah, on the pushing thing, us pushing through that thing? the yeah. streets. Yeah. He was hammered, huh? Yeah, well, he's pretty drunk. He was pretty drunk. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody lived. You know, it's funny. I can't even imagine, like, as a kid, when I think about my family and growing up, 
I just cannot imagine us going to Switzerland. Like there's, <laughs> there's no conceivable paradigm of me looking at the 70s and even thinking of anything like that. Uh, now my kids were were well traveled. I didn't. Oh yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm not a big internationally. Yeah, because my wife Very loves nice. to travel. So yeah, they've they've seen the world. That's um, cool. I haven't. I've, I've seen. I've been to uh, Toronto and Edmonton toward the north. And Tijuana to the south, and that's all of my world travel, and wow. I'm happy with that. It's yeah. doesn't. It's not it's, something it's that calls overrated. me. It, people yeah. think that that's all there is to live for nowadays. Is yeah. going traveling because isn't it part of that whole millennial thing? And I don't well, know if Gen Zers are into it, but the idea of events, like experiences, events and the pictures. But then you put too there. much. It's like Christmas. Like if you put too much pressure on it, then it's gonna let you down. If you let Christmas sneak up on you, yes. then you might go, oh, wow, it's Christmas Eve and I'm mildly drunk and I have friends around and I'm enjoying. It seems Christmassy and you, and you can have a moment. But if you try to make that moment happen, and I think that there has to be a lot of that with uh, this generation. It's like so attached to experiences. Like, well, a lot of times things don't live up to your expectations if you build expectations. That's why I have no expectations for anything. That way I can be mildly amused when things kind of go right. And, or, you know, I, I always think it's like, hey, it's a, another day where the phone didn't ring and some friend doesn't have some vicious diagnosis from yeah. their health care provider. It's like to me, it's like, right, all right, everybody I know is okay for one more day, 24 hours. All right. I feel like I'm, I'm in the clear. To me, that's that's yeah. a great experience. Staying alive, doing this, you know, getting yeah. to do this, to, you know, and get paid is, you know, that's definitely f- fulfillment enough. I don't need oh, yeah. to travel. And I like having a reason to travel. Like I now yeah. have a friend that lives in France. He moved there with his wife that was French that lived here. And uh, I'll look forward to visiting them. And that'll be the reason to go to France rather than like, I've just got to see Paris. Right, right. That's exactly because it's people that make a place. Right, exactly. It's like uh, people make a party, people make a place. You could... You can meet really cool people in some smaller city that you would never have thought of living in, but maybe you got a job and you became the regional manager somewhere and you know, you're going over here and you never would have, have thought it. There are cool people everywhere. So the question is, do you connect with those yeah. people who are fun and cool and interesting? And if you do that, you can have a good time no matter where you are. But yeah, I'm not so into, I want to go look at the Eiffel Tower because- Okay, quite frankly, in my mind, I've seen it, even though I haven't. Right, like I've seen it on all my life. It's iconic. I would, you know, it's like I would like to walk around the Colosseum in Rome. Absolutely, I've been lucky enough to do that. Would knock me out to think of that history and standing where, you know, just even going to uh, Philadelphia where they. Um, uh, wrote the Constitution. I wonder where they had the Congress, the first Congress. I mean, just standing in that room, thinking, ah, George yeah. Washington was in this fucking room. I am, I am taken aback by that. I'm just not willing to go through all the yeah. shit. DC I have to go is, to make it happen. You DC know, DC is super cool for that, and it's yeah. all free, which is the even yeah. cooler part. And DC is very. I love that. You kind of feel the, the history of the place yeah. and the importance of it. And uh, don't go there now because it's hotter than. I made the mistake. The only time I ever went to D.C. was I um, uh, it was in the middle of the summer and we were just passing through and the car broke down. This is when Jane and I were first together. So this is like this isn't even 1990 yet. I think we were I don't know where we were going, but we passed through D.C. And I was like, man, I want to see 
the White House. And this is bef- when you could drive by the White House. I don't think you can drive by the White House you anymore. Can't, no. But um, <laughs> even then, so I'm driving down Pennsylvania Avenue, and I'm cute. I know it's coming up. But the way they had it set up then was there were like all these trees as you're driving up to mm-hmm. it. And then one space as you drive by, you go, White House, <laughs> and a bunch of trees. Tree, so tree, that's, tree, 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 that's all house. of my – We the car broke down. It was the middle of summer. It was hotter than hell. It was awful, and we just got the hell out of there as soon as the uh, – as as we, and we had no money. So That's, it was at a time in my life with uh, Jane and myself where the car breaking down was like, brutal. okay, there's three less things we're doing on this trip because yeah. all of a sudden now we've got a 200 and whatever dollar bill for something. I think of Chicago as super hot just because the one time I went there, that was all that was apparent was the heat. And is it? And were you down, down by the water? We, we were down by the water. I think it just happened to be, you know, the super hot day in Chicago. Yeah. But now yeah. I just, when I think of Chicago, I think, oh God, that place was so I hot. I spent one day in, when I was a kid, probably about 10 or 11 years old, in <clears throat> Alvin, Texas, which I think is outside of Houston. I could be wrong. It was so fucking hot <laughs> that to me, that's everything of like Houston. Because I think it's outside of Houston. I could be wrong. I don't know Texas all Houston that well. But since then, I've been to Austin a few times. Oh, and, yeah. And at, at uh, you know, like South by Southwest, I think that's okay. in March or something, yeah. March or April. And, uh, you know, that's nice. The climate is fantastic. I've uh, never been to Austin with the big river running through it in the middle. And- yeah, it's, uh, well, I've only been there for two South by Southwest. So I don't know what it was, 2011, 2012, back to back. They were decent. They were fun. You enjoyed them? Well, yeah, I was making the movie. So, I, oh, well, cool. no, no. The first time I think I was still making it. Second time it was, it was made, but I was, I don't know, I had some kind of weird idea that I could get the word out about the movie. Stupid. That's cool, though. <laughs> Stupid. But I had good time because I was attached to a band. So they were they were gigging, and I was nice. kind of following them around. So it was cool. Getting in there was a nightmare. You know, yeah. it's not a big city, and the whole world descends upon it. Wow. But I did enjoy it. I, I Both times I went to South by Southwest, I, I did enjoy – I don't know the streets that well. I think there's 6th Street or something like that. But when you're walking down the street – during South by Southwest, every uh, bar or whatever is the doors are open and you're just hearing different bands. You know? wild, and everybody, all the sets are like 30 minutes. So who, everything's just turning over, turning over, around. turning over. That's yeah. And I love, uh, uh, I love, I mean, obviously I love driving and crying. That's why I made the movie. But um, I love them in situations where. You're not really competing, but you kind of are because everybody's doing 30-minute sets. And so the next thing, the next thing. And uh, there's, to me, nothing better than being with them in, a, in, a, in situations like that where the band before them is killing because there's just some kind of killer instinct inside of driving and crying. It's like, all right. And, like, the challenge is put down, and I've never seen them lose that challenge with a crowd. I mean, they'll just That's walk awesome. up there, and they'll see what – by looking at the – I mean, I'm not talking out of turn here. I, I think that they could see from the crowd and what the crowd's responding to to what the other band's doing. It's like, okay, we'll just go fucking knock this out. Of, and I always love that. I love, yeah. I love that about – Kevin's got experience. A, a crazy energy about him when he's just in his inner room talking on, right. on the radio. I can right. only imagine when he's like in his element with the killer edge. And I, I love those sets, those short sets. And uh, if the band that was on before them were, you know, pretty loud, it's all of a sudden, you know, they just, you know, they get 
they just blow the fuck out of the place. <laughs> and it's just a blast. It's just, just a blast to be part of it. So I've never gone to South by Southwest. It's just somebody with a ticket and I want to hang out with friends. I don't know what that Why would you know? situation is, yeah. is like. But I did enjoy it the two times that, uh, that I was there. I, um, I, I was almost late for this. You know, this is the hour-long uh, version. It is. Uh, because uh, things get so messy on Thursday evenings after the show. It's just easier just to do an hour up front on Thursday. So this is our second hour-long Thursday thing. And I get paranoid because I have to make sure I'm here in time. And I thought I wasn't going to be here in time. And then when I finally got here and I'm walking through the hall, I see Clark Howard. And we, we haven't seen each other in a while. And uh, so he starts talking. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to be late for uh, everything. And uh, I tried to talk him into watching Succession. I think he'd enjoy Succession being about business or yeah. whatever. But I don't think he's got 40 hours to get anything. I don't think he's anything. a movie guy. I just don't he's see him. Not a, yeah. he, he didn't. It's, I don't know. It's, sometimes I think uh, Clark Howard and Kevin Kinney both fuck with me in the same way. Like, Acting like they don't know about things sometimes. Like I think Ooh. it's I think it's like sometimes like I'll bring up something like a musically and Kevin go I don't know. I'll be like that's not even possible. Like <laughs> yeah, Gaslighting me or something. Cool. And Clark Howard loves for people to believe that he completely has no understanding of what pop culture is. You know, right. famously. That's, I guess that he does that well because that's how I kind of right. view him myself. Yeah. I mean he. Uh, he he just told he just introduced me to his assistant in a way of oh Eric uh, like like I'm the one who told him who Billy Joel is and this is like five <laughs> years ago I find it very difficult to yeah. believe that might so, be uh, how to win friends and influence yeah. people kind of tactic <laughs> when I say so when I said succession to him his response was like it's the very first time he's ever heard that oh. name but although he did say oh that's a show right that's a you know and I don't know if he's Sandbagging on these things because <laughs> if I'd never watched Succession, you would months. I knew what it, I saw it. I you know we do deal in current events, yeah. so you know that it's going on. But so uh, we got here on time. Started at two thirty. Uh, woke up this morning. It was kind of weird. You know, my wife's out of town for like three weeks. I'm in the second. It's even a little bit longer than three weeks. So. Uh, I'm trying. I said this the other the other day. Um, it's just me in this big house, and so and it's hotter than hell outside. So I'm spending all of my time downstairs. We have a guest room downstairs, mm-hmm. and we have like the theater. Uh, it's not a theater, theater, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. a place to watch movies. Um, and just kind of keeping, trying not to keep the air conditioning because it's cooler in the basement. And so I'm not sleeping upstairs in our room. I'm sleeping in this guest room downstairs. And I had forgotten, or I don't know, I wasn't told, or I thought it was next week, that uh, the uh, the cleaner was going to come. The cleaner comes like once every two weeks. And so it's one of the weird things where I wake up with people in my house. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You've been with them long yeah. enough that they've got a key and they know how to yeah, get in. Yeah, yeah, they know how to get in when they need to get in and everything. And you know, they're good people. And I just It's just kind of weird when you wake up and you go, oh. Oh, there's somebody in the house. <laughs> I can't walk around with my underwear. You know, just like yeah. small things that you can't do. And then I start thinking, oh, my God, is there anything incriminating that I've left behind? Is there, you know, did I flush the, Did I flush all the toilets? You know, you still go through all these things like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm worrying that they're going to be like, uh, oh, this guy's disgusting. Well, yeah. that his wife's not around. But, in fact, it's probably an easier job because basically I've just kept myself – 
in the basement, you know, trying to save on air conditioning costs. Not even a, just it just seems wasteful to me. You know, you have the house. It's the same house that we used to yeah. have two kids and all their friends all the time around. And now it's just the two of us. Now it's just me until my wife gets back. It just seems weird to, you know, air condition the whole place to its optimal, you know, thing. My domain will be cool. <laughs> it's cool enough down there. And plus I have fans. That's I, as long as I have fans on my face, uh, I think I'm okay. And then I'm thinking about uh, the current events of the day and, I think we started with me just deciding. It's like, what? Did, I don't care about this Jason Aldean thing. It's like what – it really is that the 24-hour news cycle is a an all-consuming beast that is never satiated. You know, it's just like – constantly has to so there has to be something every day i just listened to erickson on the way in and i guess i've never watched this video i've never heard this song i'm not a fan of modern country i don't care you know all the way around but i heard erickson saying that because i had read some things that said it was pro-lynching i know that i find that hard to believe that anybody that is in any sort of popular entertainment would think you know what's going to be good for my career is a pro-lynching song. So I find that, and then I heard Erickson saying that because one scene of the video, he's in front of a courthouse where there was a lynching in the 1920s or something. But Erickson pointed out that uh, like Hannah Montana has done a scene there. Like for that, it's the courthouse of this place. And it's one of these weird things where this is the, uh, where the sociologists run everything. With common sense, you and I would say, well, if Jason Aldean had no idea that there was ever a lynching there, or if it was just like a part of history that, well, they've filmed all these other things since then and we've moved on. Either way, um, s- common sense says if Jason Aldean didn't include that in the video to make a point that lynching was something he's in favor of, then who gives a fuck? Yeah, but what? a sociologist comes in and says, well, I understand and the things and whatever, and the, they, they make all of these weird- The dog whistles. Yes, and, and all that, and then they just like go, okay, I put together this theory, now you own it, and you're responsible, when common sense says, no, if the person didn't know, they're not responsible. Common sense says, if Eric Von Hessler was born in 1964, he has no reason to feel guilty about any historical fact that happened before then. That's common sense. And the reason it's common sense is because it's 100% true. But uh, write a book like that, probably you're not going to sell many. If you have a sociology thing and, oh, and I, I put it together and people, and they're, they're not racist out here, but they don't know it. It's back here. But if they give me money... I can teach them how to access their true racism, and if they give me more money, I can teach them how to uh, change that and fix that. It's got nothing to do with racism. It's got everything to do with a person figuring out a way to make money. And so at that point, when you're smart enough to recognize that, you should just be able to, with stories like this, go, well, that's just not even a story. Yeah, it's I not a story unless it. Jason Aldean says, yes, you caught me. I'm pro-lynching, <laughs> which he's not, obviously. Yeah. It's, you know, he's not. I, I don't know anything about Jason Aldean, but I think I can pretty much say he's not pro-lynching. So, therefore, no need for one more conversation about it. But there will be conversations because 
The 24-hour news cycle is a beast that must be fed. We have to. We got these tables and cameras. We need people that we call experts to converse about these things. It's like, it's just like busy work. It's just dumb. You go to Jason Aldean. Jason Aldean, are you racist? Do you believe that the white race is superior to other races? If he says no, you go, okay, that's interesting, but so is the rest of the world. Thank you for answering that question. We were wondering, now that you've said no, and we can't find anything you've done in your entire life that says that you are, yeah. we're just going to move on to the it's nine billion other things we could talk about in the world. It's Kind of crazy that to be talked about, you've got to ma- now make your songs political, and that that is yeah. But I think he's doing fine, right? Yeah, these uh, modern country stars, I can't stand them, but I mean they they get huge. These audiences, the culture is so tied them. to politics right now, and yeah, it's impossible using their sides and getting all. Well, I mean, he it's a pretty provocative video, it. just the stuff that I've seen. And I said yesterday, if you're gonna get, if you're gonna stick your Politics is a blood sport. So if you're an entertainer and you're going to get in there, if you're uh, uh, Bud Light or Target, you're going to get in there, you've made a decision to to go with politics. Now, you're dumb enough to believe that what everybody's saying on social media is a mirror for the rest of the world, and maybe people are learning their lesson that that's not true. Um, but uh, if you're going to get into politics in, in any way, and I've seen enough of snatches of the video to think he is getting into politics because oh, yeah. he's showing rioting and he's, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the song, <clears throat> the title you could take as kind of a threat. Yeah, I didn't sort even of, re- put that together. You know, really, it's yeah. like, you know, uh, we, we know how to handle this in a small town. But it's, if that's not what he meant, it's not what he meant. And who gives a shit? Like, who gives a shit? Like, it, what is the, what is the, um, like, if we can just get people to stop listening to Jason Aldean, we will have gone a long way to uh, curing racism in America. Is that, even, is that even— I think it's a, about making the ideas of uh, using the law and putting rioters and, uh, right. and uh, looters and things in jail. I think that's—they're trying to make that an extremist thing to think. Right. I, I think that that's a big part of— yeah, but I, and the thing is, like, well, I would say to Jason Aldean, if you want to sing about the, the other part of it is this, that this bullshit in modern country music where these, uh, you know, unbelievably wealthy, dare I say it, big city, if we think of Nashville as the big city people who are just conning the to my light, they don't give a shit about these small towns. They they might have some kind of cool memory, but their their whole journey and trajectory was getting the fuck out of that small town and getting my ass to Nashville because I'm the only person that I'm looking around in my small town and thinking, yeah, I can make it in a big city. I mean, they all left. That is so. If they love their fucking small town so point, much, yeah. why aren't they on a tractor? Say, yeah, I like singing, but uh, I ain't leaving this here town. Them big city fellers in Nashville, to hell with them. <laughs> they come here. I'll I'll uh, I'll strum some of my songs on the back porch. They can put up some microphones. You don't get that kind of thing. It's like don't give me your. If you've ever ridden in a limo, I don't want to hear your fucking songs about how you love the tractor in the small town. It's all bullshit. It is. If he wants to sing about small towns, sing about the fact that, you know, America has abandoned these people. I mean, and they're riddled with meth. And uh, they're not considered. It's it's the it's the last bastion bastion of approved prejudice to hate these people. 
and, and disliked them. Why would we even help them? If we gave them a hand up, they'd just end up, you know, cleaning themselves up and going out and voting Republican. So fuck them. Right. So there's no need. There's no need to help these. As long as these cities, these little towns are depressed all over America, politically speaking, that's helpful to people who hate these small towns. So if I was going to write a song about a small town, I'd be more like, hey, America, fuck you for leaving us behind and not giving a shit about us. Not that uh, small towns are still the greatest place to be. That's rare if it's true. In some places, I'm sure it has to be. But small towns, country towns, the middle of the, you know, Appalachia is worse than ever. Now that you take away the coal industry... It's horrific. They're, they're ghost towns, and uh, there's not one motherfucker who works at the New York Times who gives one fuck about these people. You want to write real songs about small towns? Do that, rather than this, uh, well, we don't put up with this around here. Yeah, you know why? Because there's only, like, 2,000 people who live there anymore. Everybody got out except for the poor motherfuckers who couldn't get out. Not many people... And then you have provincialism. So if you go talk to people, they'll be like, well, we are around. Yeah, because people do that when they're in bad situations. They kind of come up with why, you know, I, I remember uh, people in my family, like, who would want to be rich? It's like their way of not saying they didn't want to put their neck on the line. They didn't want to find yeah. out that they weren't they were good enough to compete or whatever. So they're just like, who would want to be like those people? And I was like, you know. 13 going, well, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, it'd be nice to have some It'd money. be nice to be able to look at something and then go, well, I want it. So I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I mean, I'm not a millionaire or anything, but it, I, to me, success is that you don't have to worry about paying the bills. You know that you're going to be able to pay the bills. Then after that, how much you save, how much you waste or whatever, that's all about your own personality. But for people to act like life isn't better if – you don't have to worry about paying your basic bills, rent, mortgage, utilities, phone. That's You're just being lied to. And I feel like some of this is still like, these small towns are still great. I'm sure there are some great small towns. Not as many as there used yeah. to be. And they're basically, you know, just full of drugs, you know, and, and people who are just like. Poverty and. Poverty. Eating. Totally impoverished. Crap food all the time. It's a bummer. Yeah. But, you know, I guess that doesn't make for a hit song. Yeah. That's a lot of talking after saying, I don't give a fuck about this Jason Aldean <laughs> thing. I guess that's part of the whole. <laughs> so did, did you did you end up hearing that Mike Pence clip with Tucker where he says that he did big, the, the kind of what you're talking about, small towns in the. the oh, yeah. And then, yeah, and yeah then we got to play that today. Concern. Now, that, it cuts off right after that. Does, now, does he. Give uh, more context after that. Like, does he say like that's not my concern? The way that I would help small towns is I would do this. No, I, th- I think he goes back just to like, his Ukraine stuff, and he's, right. he's like, or he says I've seen people uh, use this tactic before. You're just trying to get me to uh, move on to another subject, kind of spin. And he's like, we're talking about Ukraine and uh, Russia. Right, right, right. And and and, and which so, is like I, what I would say to Mike Pence or anybody else. You threw your hat in the ring. Answer every fucking question that's asked. You're not the interviewer. You're the interviewee. You want to be president of the United States. Outside of personal questions that are that we all understand are out of bounds, um, Ukraine's an issue, but so are small towns in America dying. So 
you threw your hat in the ring. So now it's answer all the questions. And you have to be tactical. Even if you don't mean small towns aren't your concern, you can't say that's right. not my concern when somebody's asking right. you about small towns. Now, the truth is, um, you know, whether <laughs> – listen, these small towns were in trouble before we put our money in Ukraine. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a – there's a meta thing that says – couldn't that $100 billion have been spent better here? Okay, you can go with that. But we know this country well enough to know that $100 billion just would have been wasted on some of other you know, program that doesn't show a whole lot for people but uh, helps somebody get reelected. So it's not really as one for one. But in an overall sense, it's still an argument worth making. Aren't we better off if we keep this $100 billion here? There's an awful lot of places here that need our help. We're paying. I think people don't realize that only like $42 billion of this has gone in weapons. A lot of it is just that we're running, we're paying for all of the uh, salaries and, and for, every, yeah. for all this stuff to go. And in that sense, you could say, well, couldn't you pay for this town to get its shit back to get its shit together, to be able to afford a, you know, a, a city council that runs properly or something, like that. you know, or, so you could you could say that, but never in a million years would would that hundred billion dollars have been used for that had it not no. been sent. To, what has to be understood is this government that we have, all this system that we have, is so deeply corrupt. That it's so much deeper than that. That hundred billion dollars would have been wasted somewhere else. You if just it wasn't hear wasted about in that Ukraine. Billion. Right. The, the other ninety nine hundred billion that's yeah. getting spent, you know, in places we right. Well, don't I mean, the idea that we need a trillion dollar a year uh, uh, military budget, and then if you don't, if you're not in favor of it, somehow you're an appeaser or whatever. I'm, I'd say, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that in half, and one hundred billion has to go to salaries for soldiers and administrators. Now you got $400 billion for the rest. Whatever you can't do, we're not going to do. We're not going to be there. But there are parts of this world that we're not going to be able to monitor, um, decide whether or not we want to allow this government and some other place to continue to exist based on what we feel are our... You know, let's whittle it down to our most strategic locations, and uh, yeah, well, keep... it's not it's not 758 no. military bases around the world. I got to figure that's why we're hitting a trillion dollars a year. You know, all of those places have to have food service and laundry service, and it's like everything that has to be done. United States of America, in my mind, should have no more than. 25 to 30 military. If you have 30 military bases around the world, you're still going to have the most. Yeah. You know? we're, uh, something like China our, has eight. That, yeah. That was, that and seven, of them, the and seven of them are on these bullshit islands they created in the South China Sea. So they really only have one because they're claiming that uh, those islands belong to them. So that would just be right. a base in their own country from their own we mind. think of it as, yeah, they have yeah. one. But even if we go with our way of it, it's eight. And I, I got to listen to these fucking shows. Uh, China, they're trying to take over the world. Really? The, the country that's got 758 military? If you were just the man from Mars and they said, based on this metric, one country has 758 military bases around the world and one has somewhere between, let's just say, less than 10, which one do you think is trying to take over the world? What do you think? 
the man, woman, or they from Mars would say. It's I definitely mean, the one with 750. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's an insane thing, and you just have to laugh because... Do you um, think if NATO could snap their fingers, they would have Russia be a part of like NATO oh, and I, I don't know they if NATO could snap their, their fingers they would have every other country in the world on their knees ready to service them and doing what they're told to do because NATO and the United States of America long ago proclaimed themselves good so anything that they want it comes from the point of view of good for the world if you're opposed to us We've already decided you're opposed to good. What's the opposite of good? Evil. Now you must be dealt with. Yeah. So that's what NATO wants. NATO, hey, you want NATO not to fuck with you? Number one, don't have any interesting resources on the <laughs> ground that, that, uh, that could be used to make money. Number two, always just do whatever the fuck NATO tells you to yeah. do. Yep. I, and I can guarantee you, if those two things come together, you'll get no help during hard times, but you will not have your government knocked over. But if you've got a resource that's important to the world um, and, uh, and, and your government isn't doing what the West would like you to do, it, you're gonna- uh, you don't have to look for CIA. I'm just going to tell you they're in your country and they're finding somebody who they think might be able to stand up against you and they're helping that movement out. That's the way it goes. But if you don't have any resources and the government does what exactly what NATO and the United States tells you to do, I can pretty much assure you you're not going to be fucked with. Whether you'll be helped, probably not yeah. either. So there's, you're on there's your own. this meme going around now where it's, oh, you know, I think it's Saddam Hussein funded by the U.S. government, killed yep. by the U.S. government. Uh, True. Know, Gaddafi funded by the gov- government, killed by the government. And then it has— It's not that simple. Well, you, you, that's the kind of the gist I of mean, the meme. The problem is a lot of these people rise based out of us knocking something else down. But then it, then it shows— Al-Qaeda rose out of the Mujahideen. So then it shows Vladimir Zelensky funded by the U.S. government. And then, you know, there's the blank space that implies— right. It, maybe he doesn't get killed by the U.S. government, but do you think he's going to get left to, to kind of hanging? And I think Zelensky. We don't. It's very hard to have opinions around. about all this because we don't have real reporting on any of this. So I don't really. Yeah, I my sense is, is like we don't know the internecine fighting that's going on with in in the Ukrainian government between elements like the Azov uh, Battalion and uh, Kiev which don't see eye to eye on everything, but the Azov Battalion are the best fighters. I've thought in some way, if Ukraine won this, which I just cannot imagine that they would, but if, if they did, I believe you'd have a civil war uh, between the Azov people who are true believers like and, and Kiev who would want to make deals, maybe even start making some deals with Russia after the war or whatever, and they, they wouldn't put up with it. Um, what what is, we are in danger of doing is that the Azov Battalion, who, uh, you know, people say it's not true. They, they worship this guy Banderas. He was a Nazi. He wasn't found out to be a Nazi. He was a Nazi. <laughs> you know, like the stuff that this guy Bandera did um, apparently, like even in Germany, they were like, whoa, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like and 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 they worship. They worship this guy. 
So what we have done that's closest to those memes that could happen in the future, no matter how this ends, is we gave a, we gave a lot of arms to the Mujahideen in Afghanistan in the 80s because they were fighting the Soviet Union. And uh, then that they had a bunch of weapons and a bunch of funding, and they mutated into al-Qaeda. Who says Azov Battalion with all of this weaponry, they're the best fighters. So they're getting an awful lot of this equipment, the stuff that isn't being sold on the black market to kill innocent people in Africa and other places yeah. around the globe, which is going to happen because of all this transfer of, of, of weaponry. But who's to say that the Azov Battalion doesn't become the next thing like Mujahideen to Al-Qaeda? When it's all over, suddenly they've got more weapons than ever, they whatever, and they start... I think that they will fight. I think the Azov Battalion will fight whoever wins. Like if Russia wins, I think the Azov Battalion will go underground. They'll detach themselves from Ukrainian army. They were, they were their own military outfit. People don't seem to know this. They were absorbed into the Ukrainian uh, thing after once the whole thing got going. Um, so when it comes to Zelensky... Who knows what's going on there? Who knows how much support he has? He said he's, you, he's, there's going to be no elections That's until the insane. war's over. So we can't know. I mean, ABC and NBC and CBS and Washington Post and the New York Times all tell us to a man, woman, child in Ukraine, they love Zelensky and they want this war to go on forever. But we can't really know that unless they get a chance to vote on it. And in this fight for democracy, that chance has been removed. And, of course, the CNNs of the world, they reported it for a day or two and then move on. No, no big deal. No big deal at this place that we're saying we're fighting for democracy when we've always held elections here. They famously had elections in Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, during, during these time periods, the purple fingers and you yeah, know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and it's just been no pushback. Anderson Cooper is going to be in favor of whatever Biden and Zelensky say next. I know that. I know that Anderson Cooper is going to be behind and support what Biden and Zelensky say one month from today. So why would I get my news from that? There's no way to get news from Ukraine. That all I can do is just try to use common sense. Russia's lying. Ukraine's lying. NATO's lying. China's lying. We're lying. Everybody's lying. So it's very difficult that's the problem with some of these. I've said this before. Like I like Jimmy Dore, and I like I like anybody who will speak out against you know this this war. But I do find sometimes with a lot of these people, not so much with Glenn Greenwald, is that uh, they tend to be pretty a little soft on Russian propaganda or Chinese propaganda. The 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 enlightened way of looking at this is recognize that in war, everybody lies, not because they're a new invention of bad people, but because we can look at the history, the 10,000 years of human civilization, and in every single war, every warring side has lied. So that's what we're getting. Everybody's going to tell you how much they're winning. Uh, you, I mean, look at Vietnam. You yeah. know, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. <laughs> we weren't ever winning that. And... Uh, I saw a story uh, yesterday or today, uh, Ukraine, uh, this is Russia losing 450 or something like that soldiers a, a day. But well, what about the other side? 
you don't you first of all that number. I just look at that and go I don't believe that number yeah it might be more what do you think about it might that? be less I don't believe anything I hear out of there what about the three thousand troops moved to Europe is this you know what I got to look into that that's right that's a couple people have uh, Tim mentioned that to me yesterday so I don't really know a lot about it. Right, I don't know a lot about it. First either, of all, but... Europe should be ashamed of themselves. They have been, Europe has no. They are. They just do whatever the United States and NATO tells them to do. They have no. They're not a collection of different countries. They're not a laboratory. No. You know which currency's doing better? Who's to, They're just. It's. It's. They're just becoming. You know whatever the United States says. Yes. You know. Yes. You know. At least France had the balls to stand up and say, "There's no weapons. We can't." We don't see any weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And, you know, I started, you know, idiots like me stopped eating French fries for a while. But it turned (laughs) out, can we all admit, they were right. Those days are gone. They, those days are gone. It, it's becoming a welfare state. Everything is subsidized. They don't really have great militaries, so they need NATO. And they're just shameful, I think. They just do whatever the fuck we tell them to do. France, I got to say, Macron... May have, may have thrown some cold water on this thing where we were steamrolling towards some sort of uh, confrontation with China. He did say the United States shouldn't expect that we're necessarily going to follow on that. And that did seem to kind of cool things down a little bit. So give a little credit there. Right. It is, I don't understand why it isn't just so patently obvious to everyone that this country should not be going to war with Russia and China, it's a, it's, I don't know, somebody has to profit. Exactly. In order to get to that. But once the nukes start flying, your profits mean nothing. So I don't get how these lunatics that are running things are, why are they so convinced that China and Russia would just never use their nukes? I, I just, I don't feel that good about it. That, oh, I, well, they would never do that. And. All of their bullshit, every the way this whole world is being run now is so stupid. The the whole climate thing, like, and I was, I'll say it again, because I think that no one else is saying it, and that is, it doesn't even matter if you believe the popular opinion on climate change. If you really believe everything that's being said, if you're Greta. Thunberg. You mm-hmm. believe everything that's being said about that. It's not even worth having that conversation. It is so dead obvious that the solutions being put out there by the United Nations and international treaties and all this stuff will never work. You're not going to get 10, 15, 20 biggest com- countries in the world to cooperate on climate when Hey, if you really care about the climate and you think it's the end of the world, then you shouldn't be in favor of this war in Ukraine. Not only is it bad for the environment, as all war is, but it means that Russia isn't going to be concentrating on uh, being a part of your climate treaties. They can turn those off. China stopped cooperating because of all the spy balloon stuff, and I think now they're just starting to repair that. So who are these people that think that you can point to the leader of a country— and say, you're a war criminal, but believe that that person is still going to never vary or waver from the treaties about climate 
that they it, it's not possible. That's I I don't know why I can't get this across to people. The solution will not fix the problem even if you are a believer at the Greta Thunberg level of what the problem is. So therefore, to me, the whole thing is just stupid. You know, I, it, it appears the who's that guy, the skeptic environmentalist or whatever, Bjorn, 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 something. I'm not sure. So uh, this guy's basically what he says is if you are if you have a scientific ability to read the full United Nations reports that they put out about climate change, that they're solid, that they're 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 very solid. The problem is. It's not extreme, or it is extreme. No, no what he's saying is that they're, they're, it's solid in the sense that they are pinpointing what the problem is. Okay. You know, the temperature change over time and all that. The problem comes with the, I don't know, four to six page thing they put together, the brief they put together for the press, in which they purposefully push the worst, the thing that the press wants wow. to. And that's why every year or whenever, every few years the United Nations does this, it's like you get these headlines that are whatever. <clears throat> and uh, according to this guy, the skeptic environmentalist, if you just went by the actual science that's in the reports, basically you could have, you could come up with reasonable solutions. But these reasonable solutions aren't going to, people are invested. No, it's got to be this technology. It's got to be windmills. It's got to be, you know, whatever. And we know that nuclear power is the only way to clear carbon out of the air in the next 30 years. It's the only way. Now, do you have other waste you have to deal with? Well, welcome to real life. You can't get something for nothing. Until they build a perpetual motion machine somehow, you're going to have waste. You're going to have this sort of thing. And uh, I've always said, you know, I feel like until, you know, just tell people we don't want to be on nukes forever. But if we've prioritized that this is the biggest danger and we've got to get the carbon out of the, out of the picture, then for the next 30 years or so, we're going to go in this direction while the whole time trying to figure out, in other words, as a bridge technology. Mm-hmm. Nuclear is much more safe now than it used to be, but there are still questions. I have questions. You know, do, does every play, does it suddenly become more targets? Uh, can an enemy... Uh, cause a problem by bombing these places. You know, there's a lot of questions. It's not like, so my point is, nothing is easy. Nothing is, you know. Yeah, but if we are to clean up the environment, this is the way to do it. If your priority is in the next 30 years, you want to get the carbon out of the, of the picture in the, in the, in the air, then you have to go nuclear. You know, uh, Oliver Stone has a documentary called Nuclear Now. Now that's Oliver Stone. Now, you think if Oliver Stone had a documentary out right now that was basically picking up where Al Gore left off and admonishing people that they better stop driving SUVs, do you think more people would know about that, Oliver? Because it's Oliver Stone, and the left loves Oliver Stone until he comes along and says, well, I've researched this, and I've done a documentary that says we need nuclear power to get out of this and that it's safe enough to do. Um, this is the first time I just haven't seen Oliver Stone <laughs> being celebrated by anybody. There's a lot of forces here that have a lot of money to make, and uh, it, that's what it all comes down to, I think. I think that's the best way to get out of this culture war thing and all of that is just to recognize when it comes to politics, any issue, any question, one side, the other side, the only the, – not the only, the first thing you should always 
ask yourself is, if this, if this proposal, say, if it wins or it loses, who gains power, who loses power? Start there. Start there. And recognize yeah. that that's going to be 80 to 85% of the reasons for any motion. And the po- people who want power have friends in the media. Oh, by the way, both sides, the people on all sides of these issues want power. And they all have friends in the media. To, you know, you all of a sudden, haven't you noticed that all of a sudden you'll hear, it's like, wow, I'm hearing, you know, they take advantage. Like it's really hot out right now. So, so now's the time. So it's going to be, oh, this is the worst. This is the worst. This is the worst. Death Valley has never been hotter. Yeah, but it's been the called. World's it's been called. Ever, yeah. It's been called Death Valley my whole life. Okay, so if it's hotter than ever, it's not like four years ago you could vacation there and be comfortable at this time of year. It's called Death Valley, and you know, so it's it's all about that. I think that's a good way to get yourself out of the whole culture war thing because if you become a culture warrior, you're going to get boring. You're going to get boring. You're going to start annoying your family. Because everything you're watching is going to gin you up. Like even for me, even reasonable stuff that I try to have certain sources that I find to be reasonable in politics. um, Sometimes I just take a break from them anyway because just watching their political passion will force it out of me. And then in my mind, I'm like, nah, I want to have a a swinging show that – bounces off of current events, but if they get me jazzed up, then I come in in a mood, and then I'm like, well, this is the way the world should be, and that feels good when you have an opinion and you have a microphone in front of you, but I'm smart enough to know that it's uh, it's better to be the one show that actually knows how to do comedy about current events than to be the 9,325th radio talk show host telling you that what you must do to save this world, you know, but it's it's tempting, and that's why if you're like a cultural warrior, it's almost like you need almost a 12-step program. And the reason I say that is because it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. You, you may, hey, we got Bud Light. Did you? Right. How did that help you? Is, is your life different now? There's going to be something else next week. The people who own Bud Light probably own the beers you went to. You know. Now, it was a big deal, and it surprised me. And I think the message has been shown. So I'm not, I'm not crapping on it. I'm just saying it's, it shouldn't be the cause of your life. You know. Yeah, you shouldn't be so tied to it. The day you die, people around you are going to be doing shit that drives you crazy. It's just the way that it is. It's, it's just the way that it is. You've got to figure out a way to be happy in a world that is not going to do everything the way you want it to do, whether you're on the left or you're on the right. And it makes it more difficult now because we have no ability to actually debate or everything's yeah. just like that Bud Light thing. It, it really does uh, kind of highlight how advertising, how powerful advertising is in telling you about yourself. Like just the yeah. the fact yeah. that people reacted that way to an advertisement because they had yeah because the mistake you made was thinking Bud Light ever spoke for you, yes, or represented you. Or anything like that. Or that that would mean anything about you. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, well, I mean you, but that's you, what branding does, right? It says, uh, you know, and Bud has spent a lot of time, you know, when it was, when it was convenient, yeah. when when it was when it was good for the bottom line, they were, you know, America, 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 America. And I don't like. I, I always think to me, Budweiser is the big brand. 
So I don't know if Bud Light had an even a more boutique kind of uh, hunters and outdoors. But I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know how, you know. But one thing I do know for sure is nobody would have known about it if that tweet that Dylan Mulvaney put out when they sent that thing hadn't just gone all over the place. That and was become, it. I forgot about And become tweet. a thing. It was a tweet. Like, they sent a beer can that was a special thing. Yeah. Said, what, like, a happy one-year anniversary being a girl or something. And Dylan Mulvaney is a influencer of some kind. I don't know. So they live off these kind of things online and did a thing and showed it. And then the response to it became, I mean, if that, if only the people who followed Dylan Mulvaney saw that, then nothing would have happened. Nothing would have happened. But it's, um, again, it goes back to this 24-hour news cycle thing. It's like, oh, well, this is going to be, this is going to get them going. Oh, I'll tell you what. This is, then, but it got them going way more than I thought because I was like, yeah. I'm going to drink whatever the fuck I want to drink. I don't care how the people vote who make it or whatever. I just the, don't care. The boardroom in Nashville does it from the other side. What are we going to do to – what are we going to write this song about that's yes. going to rile everybody up? Yeah, yeah. It is. It's, uh, everything is a product. I think that's the uh, – it's interesting that we have this conversation. Maybe it's boring for some people. It's not for me. Every Because I think a worldview and how you look at the world it, it can help you in your life. Everything is a product. Everything. ABC News is a product. CNN is a product. Fox News is a product. Um, ideas are now products because somebody stands to gain. If more people agree with an idea, if an I- if a small movement becomes a popular movement, there's always people at the top, even street movements, even, you know, and everything. There's somebody who stands to gain if you agree with them and lose if you disagree with them. I mean, and we see it all the time. And everybody wants something out of you. Maybe that's a better way to put it than that everything's a brand. Everybody wants something out of you. The 24-hour news networks want you not to change the channel. Um, Just go through all of your, everything in your life, every message that comes at you, everybody wants something out of you. Um, news agencies are just another politician. That's the way I look at it. They're just another politician. They they have their idea. Uh, I mean, if there is a straight down the middle news organization, I don't know of it, but maybe there is. But for the most part, they're either on the left, the right, the center left, or the center right. And they are basically arguing for their worldview politically the same way a politician. Mm-hmm. And so and once you see that, think of everything that comes at you as a salesman knocking on your door trying to give you a pitch for something. And you'll do better to see how this – don't get caught up in, in something so emotionally because there's a damn good chance you're a puppet on somebody else's strings. And to me – that is the worst way to live. I don't. I don't want to live a life like that. I just don't. I don't want to live a life where I put my heart and soul into something and then realize it's just two billionaires up here. You know, yeah. fucking. It's like, well, I can get more people. It's almost like the story of Job. You know, like God and the devil. You know, like fight. Like I can get more people to oh, do right. whatever I want. You know, it's ultimately 
you know, again, I talk about succession too much, but that's why people should watch it. The thing that the old man knew was everybody has a number. You have a number. Everybody has a number. Neil Young, Mr. Hippie, (laughs) Mr. I do it my way, he had a number, like $40 million, and he sold it to the corporate-y, 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 corporation possible. Spent his whole, hey, take all my songs about protest and whatever and uh, all of my, you know, I was mad. Uh, this song's for you. This is before you were born probably when uh, in the 80s really was the first time that you started to see a lot of um, sort of 60s music and early 70s music show up in advertising on television. And Neil Young famously did a song, This Song's For You, um, and playing off the bud, this, uh, this Bud's For You, I think, oh, yeah. um, but about how he wouldn't sell out like that. But what the old man in succession knows is even revolutionary hippies have a number. His number was $40 million. He's in his 70s. He's not going to, you know, so he started thinking about the same thing that all the other non-rebels have thought about. What am I going to leave for my family? What am I going to, you know, whatever. And in a weird way, the old man in succession, who was, who had done many evil things, and there's a scene at the end because he knows he's going to die. He's like, oh, you, know, you think there's a hell? <laughs> you know, but what he, but what he really, really, really under his, he was difficult to rattle, because no matter how much shit gets kicked up, he's a multi-billionaire, and he knows everybody has a number, and it's better not to live your life that way, but it's not cynical for you to just see the way that things actually are. The world is cynical. The way politics is played is cynical. You either recognize it or you become like a proletariat in it, like you become part of the labor of it. And they don't care. They just use you. They don't really care. They talk about homelessness every cycle. It just gets worse and worse and worse. I don't even remember... Like the last something, like if I was a politician, I'd be like, one day I'd wake up and get everybody together and go, I got an idea. Let's solve homelessness <laughs> or let's just see if we can. Let's, uh, let's see if we can. But, but you have people who have multi million dollar contracts to do it this way. So they're never going to see an idea over here that's any good. And then you have people who have multi million dollar contracts this way. So no other idea that might work is going to, and then you have people who would like to have, be a part of this somehow. And, and so, that's like when you find out nonprofits aren't all that nonprofits. Non-profit. All nonprofit means is everybody has to take all the money home at yeah. the end of the year. Most people don't realize that. CEOs of nonprofits make millions of dollars quite often. It just means that you can't show a profit at the end of the year. Doesn't mean that you can't pay the CEO, uh, you know, uh, millions upon millions of dollars a year. So it's all. It's not. I think by recognizing it, you can live a less cynical life because it's like anything else. It becomes like, oh yeah, okay, I get it. I get exactly. what they want. I get what they. But um, to allow these politicians, I don't care if it's uh, Trump or AOC or Marjorie Taylor Greene, any of them, to to allow them to viscerally make you satisfied, like they're superheroes in a movie. I say you're being used. You're being used. They're going to get the power. 
Exactly. Not you. And if they were actually revolutionary, they would be, you know, more revolutionary. They would do things in right. Congress that would you would see it. You would see it, it as opposed to just trying to create audiences that are large enough that you can get more power. Right. That's what AOC does. That's what, um, I, I do think that uh, what Marjorie Taylor Greene did with the Hunter Biden stuff – I think it's hilarious. I like her. I don't. I think I it's hilarious. Well, her. I mean, I, I, I don't like that style necessarily, but in a bizarro world, the one thing I think is funny is Biden had just fucked with her by taking her words, putting them in a video, and mocking her and saying, "Yeah, I," and then just in a weird way, it's like, "All right, you gonna fuck with me? I'm gonna show the <laughs> the media should have done this two years ago, but I'm gonna show the world your dick." I mean, not your dick, your son's dick, you know, and it's with prostitutes. It was a wild yeah, scene. Right. But she does have a point. Is this a crime? Because I don't even know, like the Man Act. Yeah. That's what they got Chuck Berry on. But Chuck people. Berry took people he was, like in a car to a different state. But I guess if he paid for the plane. He pays for the flight. And the intention is that when you get here. You are a prostitute. So that's the way I look at it. I think it's funny. But I don't know if she planned to do this before they did the thing with her or not. Or if she just said, okay, fuck it. I'm, you know, I'm going to get this out there. Because yeah. we all know. I don't that, necessarily like her. I just, I'm happy she's there. You know, I'm like, well, it's, the, it's if gotten the clown to the, show is going to be the clown right. show. Then it's becoming more apparent to me that she, well, it's funny to say apparent twice like this. But she is the heir apparent to Trumpism. She is the, you know, it's not my cup of tea, but just objectively looking at it, she is the only one that absolutely doesn't give a shit what people think about her. Everybody else tries to act like that. But AOC goes to the Metropolitan, you know, that big gala, right? She puts on a, she gets all made up and she thinks if she, if she puts tax the rich on her dress, That'll make, but that's not. She just she what she got to live that movie star thing, and you just kind of feel like Marjorie Taylor Greene just doesn't give a fuck if people don't like her, and that's that's a unique thing. And if you can keep enough people behind you, again, where's the power? I just with Marjorie Taylor Greene, that's what I've noticed lately. Is like, I think she's starting to emerge as like out of a big bubble of crazy into her own, like creating her own, her own Marjorie Taylor Greene branded crazy and Trump 77. So I, it's not DeSantis. Like I'm not saying she can be president. I'm just saying when Trump is gone five, six years from now out of the political scene, I mean, uh, I think that she's the one that's going to get that MAGA crowd behind her. If she ever ran for president, she would do well in a primary because if he wasn't there, she would be able to walk in and pick up that because you, everyone else, the MAGA people know that everyone else is trying to play for them, but they want people that don't give a fuck. Yeah. And it's hard to not give a fuck. She apparently doesn't give a fuck. I look forward to her debating. That would be nice. Or she recognizes like Trump does that actually not giving a fuck increases her power. So, let's not be naive here. She, too, wants power, as does Trump. All right. There's an angle of everything for everything. Everybody is pitching something. 
We don't do this pre-show for nothing either. We've got another show that we want you to tune into on 95.5 WSB. It is the Von Hessler Doctrine. Be there or be square. From the heart of Atlanta, Georgia, and beyond, Hour One of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins right now. I am your lovable, huggable radio host, Eric Von Hessler. The other voices you hear are the doctrinaires. Man of a thousand voices, Tim Andrews. Lady of 184.7 characters, Autumn Fisher, the man behind the glass, George Clark, and the handsomest producer in all of producery, Jared Yamamoto. It's decision day in America, Eric. (laughs) Is it now? Oppenheimer or Barbie? Tonight, you choose. America decides. Are they both opening early, like midnight tonight or something like that? You could see earlier then. You could get a show as early. I'm seeing 5 o'clock, 5.30. Well, I only... uh, is is Wolf Blitzer going to stand in front of like an interactive map and it's going to tell yeah. us like who's <laughs> yes, in every yeah. county? It looks like Barbie is very strong in the Gulf Shores. <laughs> Oppenheimer coming in in a close second. <laughs> now, Stop I <laughs> I can't imagine seeing Barbie in my lifetime. Maybe I will. I absolutely will see Oppenheimer, but I'll only see Oppenheimer at uh, the Mall of Georgia because that's one of the nineteen. 19- actual real IMAX theaters where they use the actual platter, the actual IMAX, and I don't think that there's anything open tonight or tomorrow. It's going to be a couple of weeks before I can get in there, but that's me. My sense is Barbie is going to trounce all over Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer is... I just think that it's a wider audience for She's- Barbie, but then again, there have been so many movies this year that have been wildly hyped and come in soft at the box office. This one is so over the top that it's convinced me that it's going to be real. But I wouldn't be entirely shocked to find out people in in reality are like, yeah, I'm not really interested in going. But, but I know that your world, your age, where life is about experiences, hmm. especially experiences provided by corporate boardrooms, <laughs> I'm sure... That uh, your crowd is just, uh, there's uh, Barbie-themed drinks, Barbie parties, I mean. We're, oh, totally. We, we are still effing millennials, right? You lean in. So we do what we're told by our corporate masters, and this weekend is Barbie time. So how many Barbie-themed parties will you be dragged to, Jared Yamamoto? I know of one tomorrow right after the show that I'm going to for sure, but which is I'll funny. I bet you these are the same uh, people who are like, oh, you know, we don't buy things and we don't like corporates. They have no idea. <laughs> that. Oh, no, without uh, hundreds of millions of dollars being spent on advertising, you'd still be in the mood for your little Barbie sh- party right well the, you're not a puppet the thing that's funny about it is i'm going to this party after the group of people will have already seen the movie because we get done with the show at uh, seven so can i tell you something i know already what? they're going to tell you how great it is uh, they haven't seen it yet jared and can i tell you something they love it without seeing it they love it i guarantee you you're not going to get to their barbie themed party and have them all walk in and go, was that the biggest piece of crap I ever saw but in my life? But we've got Wolf to tell us all that. Well, man, I'll be hosting an Oppenheimer party for all of my friends, cocktails. I think we have uh, 
Put some exit polling from the movies to see what what the what the kids think. Weren't enough explosions in the Oppenheimer movie. I thought there'd be lots of nukes flying and bombs going off. That's what I was led to believe. I, I thought it was so great. Barbie was it was just like so great. I I, it was so fun. Uh, so Oppenheimer guy. Uh, you don't have to think very hard, you know? Yeah, like you don't have yeah. to think too much. It's like See, fun. I, I found the opposite. I had to think too much. Uh-huh, yeah. I you should have gone to Barbie. Well, <laughs> I heard it's anti-male. Is it? Is it? There, <laughs> I don't are rumors, there are rumors well, that it's look, very anti-male. Look, first of all, first of all, this is... This is the 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 threading of the eye of the needle that's necessary for the Barbie people. Now, through most of my life, um, the left, which are basically grow up to be screenwriters and such, have not liked Barbie. Barbie, you know, we heard all these stories about a woman would have to have a rib removed if she was to have Barbies, you know, and Barbie is all over in real know, life. Barbie is the ideal, and 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 then in the last ten years with. Uh, you know, plus size positivity and all this kind of stuff. There is no way that 35 year old screenwriters don't address it. Let me tell you that. How it's addressed, I don't know. But like moths to a flame, there is no way the average 35 to 45 year old screenwriter in this country, like moths to a flame, will have to address it. Now, the only question is how do they do it? Is it annoying? Is it funny? But I, if this is going to be any kind of feminist sort of thing, the, the reason that these movies don't work, and I'm not saying Barbie is like this, but the reason they don't work is they're uninteresting because for some reason these screenwriters have to present the female as not just empowered but infallible. So you, you get the Superman problem. Superman, uh, most difficult superhero to write for because you know, that's why he keeps running into kryptonite. You'd think... <laughs> You know, there's one thing in the universe that the, this dude has to avoid. He keeps and it running. Just so happens. <laughs> just keeps, because it's the only weakness that he has. And so it's very, it's, it becomes like the God thing. God is perfect. So how do you write a story about how God learns a lesson? God can't learn a lesson. So the story ends up now Jesus can. So that story makes better films. But I don't think anybody's ever made a movie about just God. <laughs> what about that one where he's he's in the radio and it's uh Oh well, they've used it as a device. And then you could also his, you could also bring in George, George Burns. Burns yes, the, right, right, right. Yeah. But okay, but you have to what do you <laughs> but what do you have to do though? It's interesting though. You gotta turn him into a human. Right. right you yeah. got you've gotta you've gotta introduce, well, there's a human body, so there's uh, weaknesses, there's whatever. And that's the problem with these strong female characters. It it is that they're just perfect from real one, and there's no place for them to go. They already know everything. You know, people act like that. This is a these screenwriters that are around now think that they're so revolutionary and they're doing something. But it, it's you look at a movie like Alien. When did that come out? Eighty one. Seventy nine. Seventy nine. I don't remember any of the advertising telling me that it was a, a strong <laughs> female lead. It, it, there was. It was just the story. What you watched the story and you said. Wow, if I was on that ship, I would hope that she was on that ship too. Because, you know, I mean, it's like yeah. show, don't tell. Isn't that the you know, way think, about I, it? You know, show, don't tell. Yeah. I think you're right about the Barbie movie and whether that will, you know, assist in its failing or not. But I think that the whole sort of whisper about 
it being anti-male is the same thing that came from the Ghostbusters movie, where it's like if you didn't like it, then you were anti-female Ghostbusters. Right. When, in fact, just the movie was bad. It was terrible. Right. Yeah. So I just feel like this anti-male thing is just a way to avoid even giving it any type of chance. I suppose. I also think that, you know, when these culture wars, people just sort of line up in there. Nobody knows. Nobody knows if it's good or well, it's bad if they haven't seen it. I think it's kind of stupid in the, in, the, in the movie. And I think that yeah. I heard it was because the perspective is supposed to be from like kids playing with Barbies and nobody like made Ken very interesting. He was just around. But the problem with that is that in the, a lot of these uh, movies, you know, the, the, is it's, it's always the guy that is just the dummy. And even like, like, like I didn't see the last Indiana Jones, but my, my, what I heard was uh, the girl was just better and smarter and could figure out things that he couldn't figure out. And well, like, she's not old like, and white. Well, okay, right, exactly. First of all, there's no need for an 80-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> there's no need for an... Yeah, he's starting to sound like Chewbacca from the Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> there's, in that case, there was just no need. And I don't understand that. Like, uh, I'm not a, sc- a screenwriter, but I would have made Indiana Jones... I would have made it so that most of his stuff was from the classroom, right? And that he got that there was this thing, and he's kind of like the mastermind of these other people, and maybe he gets dragged in. But you shouldn't have him, you know, flying around the streets and you know, in some adventure. <laughs> Eighty years old, it's ridiculous. Girl, it's ridiculous. It. <laughs> of course, she's gonna be better. She's 50, 60 years younger. Uh, Smile and Mark. No one better than Smile and Mark. Uh, don't tell Doug Turnbull. But I mean, right now we have Smile and Mark. No one better than Smile and Mark. We have I-80. Basically, Barbie will be a good movie if it's what it's been advertised as, which is a fun, sort of surreal romp. But if it's a bait and switch and it ends up being a lecture from a sociology professor, it's going to stink. CNN. Hilarious. Oh, what a surprise. They're talking to a brigadier general about Ukraine. I wonder what he's going to say. <laughs> Things are just going great. That thing up there a minute ago said uh, Russia is slowing Ukraine's counteroffensive with mines. Up, up to this point, this counteroffensive has been a bust. I'm not... I don't know how to glean anything out of that part of the world. Everybody's lying. So I don't trust any source, ours, theirs. I don't believe there's any third party that I... So I try to just sort of glean. But the counteroffensive, the so-called counteroffensive by Ukraine, it started out um, much like Prince with a different name, <laughs> the spring offensive. But it didn't get going quick enough. They weren't ready in time. So the spring offensive turned into the counteroffensive. And the best I can glean out of there is that it's been a bust. That in all that time in between, uh, the Russians really dug in, and and my and also there's some information out there. Again, I officially don't believe any news source anywhere in the world about Ukraine because it's all propaganda. Wanting to go one way or another, but uh, I think even like international military, there are some blogs that are just like military type blogs where like a seems weird enthusiast (laughs) um and uh there's some information out there that says that right now russia is uh holds 25 percent of the ukrainian land now i don't hear that in our news is it true 
I don't know. But I think there's enough. When our news starts saying, well, the counteroffensive is being slowed. I, slowed from what? It, so far, it's been a complete and total bust. They're running out of weapons. All the weapons that we and the other NATO countries have given them, we know it's morally wrong to give them cluster bombs. Don't believe anybody that tells you it's not. It simply is. And, uh, you know, we're going to kill 10-year-old kids, you know, 10, 12 years from now, because that's what the history of this thing is, that they stick around and then kids will have, and, and it'll be Ukrainian kids. Because Russia has them too. Russia ain't going to use them in Russia, and we're not going to use them in Russia. So you're going to have two sides using them in Ukraine. And so this is going to be killing kids in Ukraine for the longest time. But the reason that we're sending them is because we don't have anything to send. Can I ask a dumb question, possibly? I would hope that you would ask a really dumb question because it would make you look silly. And that'd perfect. Be fun. It'll make you look so smart. Yes, this is answer. perfect. Go ahead. Okay. Yes, Autumn Fisher. <laughs> Autumn with the dumb question. Um, <laughs> When you say that we have to send them more weapons because they've run out of weapons, what does that mean? To me, it seems like we could send them more ammunition. We don't have it. We don't have it. We're 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 running out of weaponry, ammunition. What uh, happens to the weapons? So, Where are they going? Because well, they get blown up when they're on. We keep sending. They keep needing more and more and more. You're right. It's more about munitions than than weapons. But weapons. You send tanks, and then Russians blow up the tanks. The tanks go. Yeah, but people say it's the red tape here in, in, with our uh, distri- distribution. We of the have weapons. depleted yeah. our military. Why are we as much as that? as much as as much as Raytheon and all these companies are in love with this war because they're going to make more and more? They have they still need time, so uh, they haven't had time for us to replenish our. We started taking out of our stuff. Also, other NATO countries, Raytheon gets paid because they have to replenish that in the first round, but it still takes time. And the reason we're sending these cluster bombs is because we don't have better weapons to send them. And, you know, this always happens in the United States of America. It's a very simple thing that Putin knows. And we always get, like, when we go to Vietnam, we go to Iraq. It's like, what the people who live there know is, we don't have any place to go. We live here. So we're going to be here. You don't live here. You're going to go away. Six months from now, a year from now, five years from now, Afghanistan, 20 years from now. That's why we shouldn't get involved in these wars. Because the people who actually live on that part of the planet recognize they're not going anywhere. But you are, eventually. Smile at Mark is uh, looking at 85. Seems like when, when Ukrainians get a win, it's more like guerrilla warfare, right? Like a bridge. You know, getting a drone into, you know, no matter what they tried to tell you, Russia didn't bomb themselves. Getting a drone over the Kremlin. The dam. Uh, the the dam. Uh, you know, some people that they don't like in Moscow have been murdered, killed, assassinated. It's more of a guerrilla kind of thing. Whereas if you look at military-wise, it seems like the counteroffensive is just a bust at this point. Why, why aren't we talking about it? I, I just mentioned God in some other conversation somebody calls in with going crazy look this is how it works i deal with myself and my life and a creator it's none of your business shut up go away live your life you don't own the concept all right we're gonna do some experts say but uh 
Why don't we toss in at least one open mic? Let's start with. We'll just start at the very top and throughout the show try to go through these open mics. Most definitely. Not people who are yelling at me about what's going to happen after I'm dead. Oh God, you're going to hell. That. You're going to hell, boy. <laughs> well, what do you care? <laughs> well, I want to save you from that fire I'm not pit. Going to hell. Wherever you're going, they're going to let me in just to class the joint up. This is a strange open mic to start with here, guys, uh, because I don't know how you can impact it here, Eric, but maybe you can help. AVH, wondering what's going on with Hannity. Why is he jealous of Gutfeld? Got to get him a live studio audience, too. 9.48 p.m. and hot. <laughs> it's hot. It is hot. I'll give you that. Am I missing something? Is Hannity showing signs of jealousy? I, I don't watch Fox at Gutfeld night. has, has um, you know, now that Tucker's gone... So Gutfeld's on that five, the five, yeah, absolutely unwatchable show if you ask me. But it's their be- it's their biggest rated, highest rated show. And then they used to constantly brag about the fact that his late night show was on like eleven to midnight. So the half hour that it would share with the other late night shows, Fallon, Colbert, Kimmel, that he would regularly beat them, and they used to brag about that a lot. And now they removed him from that time slot and put him in the ten o'clock time slot. Uh, but I would say because of that success that he had there, plus he's on the five, which is the is sh- unwatchable. If you're a bre- real thing, I don't know, I don't know who's watching the show, <laughs> but a lot of people are apparently. So that's going to give him more power there. But Hannity should be used to that. Hannity is for all of his power, um, has always been somebody else at Fox. Like remember, O'Reilly was the big deal. Yeah. And Han- Hannity has always done very, very well. But you're saying been- I'm an also ran? I'm not saying that. L- listen, you're you're a multi multi millionaire who's been wildly successful and you're in talk radio and in on television. So you're wildly successful. But objectively speaking, there's always been somebody at Fox who's been a little higher up. It was O'Reilly then. Tucker came in, and now in between, because of what Gutfeld did on the five and then late night, I would say right now, he's who they think of as their most bankable star. Well, let me tell you this. Coming up soon, next week, as a matter of fact, on Monday, Linda will be on the show with me in a bikini. What do you think of that? Anyway, I always thought Hannity's radio show here on WSB was much better than the TV show anyway. Is that what you think? That's what I mean. You mean the thing I phone in before the TV show I phone in? (laughs) Which is more exciting? I know that we we play it for at least 15 minutes a day. That's right. Okay. Well, if you add on all the commercials and everything and all the time when the guy's talking, anyway, you know, you play all the clips at the beginning of the show, and then you have that real long-winded voice guy that I used to work with at some radio station in Secaucus. But, I mean, is there uh, is there some sign that he's... I don't know what that guy's referring I, to. I don't know how you could solve this problem, because he's, he's playing to you, Rupert, Do you love me, yes or no? Circle <laughs> one, send note back. I mean, again, listen, listen. I think that... No, well, I think that... Uh, you know, there might be some thinking that uh, Hannity's walking the halls here or something, and I might bump into him. Maybe I know something. I do not. My uh, EVH and Hannity came together once. Uh, my program director many, many years ago when I first started here uh, went up to Hannity's place, uh, had a lovely time. They went over some ratings and some stuff, and different personalities' names <laughs> were there. And uh, the extent of Sean Hannity, Eric Von Hessler interaction was told to me by Pete Spriggs when in the middle of this uh, sort of breakfast thing in Hannity's home, he pointed to the sheet and said, Who's EVH? (laughs) (laughs) I guess my ratings were up there. Who's EVH? I still don't know who you are, and I know Uh, that you're dominating afternoons. uh, Yeah, but, you know, we don't have to know each other to respect each other. Why don't you call it the After Hannity Show? (laughs) 
We could do that. It turned out there's, A-H. A, there's, there, there's a show in Europe with the same name. Oh. I can't I can't do it. Uh, one more open mic for you. This uh, open micer really likes you, Eric. I'd vote for EVH. Bump him up from the number 76 disc jockey talk guy <laughs> on the radio. Put him in the Hall of Fame. Just tell me where to go. I'll vote multiple times. I'll get my whole family to vote. I'll go to the graveyard, get people to vote there, too. Let's all vote for EVH. EVH for Hall of Fame. EVH for Hall of Fame. Hashtag EVH Hall of Fame. All right. Well, I appreciate that. The one problem. disc jockey <laughs> golf guy. Yeah. What, what, guy. One main uh, problem there. Uh, not nominated for any Hall of Fame. So <laughs> there's not a whole lot of reason. Well, maybe there's to, not a category for disc jockey, jockey talk guy. guy. But uh, um, no, I would never. I've just said I'm not judging anybody anywhere, anytime. You know, I love everybody, but we all have to live our lives in the way that we live our lives, right? And the way that I live my life is, first of all, understanding I'll never be celebrated and put in any kind of Hall of Fame. That's number one. Number two, if if someone said, well, if you can get more people to vote for you than somebody else will put you in the Hall of Fame, I would say, no, it doesn't work that way. Patrick Mahomes isn't going to have to go out and say, hey, Kansas City fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a Hall of Fame. You're one of the best ever. You're in. That's the way that it's supposed to you go. You can be in the people who aren't in the Hall of Fame Hall of Fame. I'd be at the top of that list. Yeah. I feel like I'd be pretty high up on that list. We could make our now, own. The list The list of uh, actual people who deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, I'm going to be very low on. But uh, the people who aren't in the Hall of Fame and not even being considered, I think I'd have to be in the top 200. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if you're, hey, you're on the list, down. though. You are on the list. My parents are dead. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my, I think my kids are jaded enough that they really, eh, he's in the Hall of Fame. My mom <laughs> is from a generation where if she were alive and that happened, that would be like, that would make her happy. But uh, she's long since dead, so there's no need for it. So let's just enjoy the day and enjoy the show. Let me try to butter you up with another, with another open mic. This message is for Von Hessler. Just wanted to let you know you've got me digging succession. And I apologize for saying the word hater when I called to say you're right about Barry. So forget the critics. Thank you. You were spot on with those two shows. It's 88 degrees and it's 11.15 a.m. Told Clark Howard a couple hours ago, you need to watch Succession. He goes, what? Never heard of it. Stop <laughs> lying like you've never heard anything. <laughs> Smiling Mark McKay is flying over to Let's do this. The experts say. Experts say. Experts say. The experts say. Experts say. The experts say on the Von Hessler Doctrine. Very quickly, we notice that uh, when those two words are in a headline or they're used by an anchor, most of us just turn our brains off and assume, well, they're the experts, but we don't know who they are, where they went to school, where in their class they graduated. So in this segment, uh, every headline has to have those two words. Say experts or experts say. From Salon.com. Here's why experts say men men need more friends in their lives and how they can make them. There's a friendship crisis developing in the world. So experts are saying there's a friendship crisis. Can I tell you at the age that I'm at, uh, Autumn knows how old I am. How old am I, Autumn? 57,000 years old. 58. 59. um, 59. 59 years of age. I just can't believe you're 59. I don't know why. I don't find it difficult to believe. But then again, I've been there every step of the way. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've been on that conveyor belt for quite some time. Uh, at my age, I want less friends. Or, I, let me say this, I actively think I'm trying not to make new friends. Because the problem is, uh, from here on out, it's just people dying on you. 
or you dying on them. You know, it's one of the what it's really is. I've gotten to the stage of life where the more friends I have, really equals more bad news. So I think I don't. I, my friendship crisis is I've got plenty of friends, but. You know, and some of them I've known for a very long time, but we've been walking this road together a long way, and uh, some of us are going to drop off before others. And I hate dealing with that. I really hate dealing with my friends dying. I mean, I feel sad for them, but mostly I'm upset that I have to deal with it. Well, they so, don't have to deal with anything else because they're dead. Well, they're dead. Right. But it's just so. like, oh, no. I get, I, I, I really have, I get mad at my friends who die because now I'm obligated to do stuff. Because I think in real life, like most of the time, I'd be like, okay, well, that was good. He's gone. But you got to go through the whole ritual and the funeral and the thing after the funeral. And then the people who never really liked you being there. And then the drinks come out and things get, you know, it's just, ugh. <laughs> Why? But you have to go because it's not about the dead person. You're going to show the family how much you love that person and you want to support them and all of that. So that's, that's how selfish I am. When my friends die, I get mad at them because now I have obligations. So I, You don't go to a funeral to show the family how you felt about the dead person. No, no, no. You go there to support them. <laughs> that is not why. No, you go there to support them. No, you, you go, go there so that you can say your goodbyes. No, I don't need that then. You can email. No, that's not why I think the reason <laughs> if I miss a funeral. Tim died. Let yeah. me just text him real quick. Bye. I have, I mean, I have missed a couple of funerals. In my lifetime, and but I don't feel bad that I didn't get to say goodbye because the person's not there to say goodbye to. Uh, if I feel bad after not attending in a funeral, it's because I think, ah, you know what, the family needed to see me and know that I'm thinking about them and I care about them. I mean, I'm not saying goodbye to a dead body. What? Well, I'm saying goodbye. The person's not there. Eric, as, as interesting as your take is on this, this the, is not the last way I want to see you. By the way, laying in this casket, <laughs> looking frozen, and wearing makeup. The, I would rather the last time, you know, we went to a ball game together. Why can't that be the last thing I remember? Experts from Japan, the UK, and the US say that around the age of 13, men are often taught that being a lone wolf is a better way to live oh, than, than to up. actually have friends. So society taught you that, Eric. Everything comes back to, uh, we're here to fix the past. Good luck. We're here to fix history. You can't fix history. People are people. Leave us alone with all these damn research. You're in a friendship crisis. I'm not in a friendship crisis. I have too many. I am. I have too many friends. <laughs> One of my friends who I never would not want to be friends with is Smiling Mark because he helps. Finding cures for childhood cancer has been our passion at WSB for well over 20 years. Please tune in on Thursday and Friday, July 27th and 28th, as we raise money to benefit the Aflac Cancer and Blood Disorders Center at Children's Healthcare. Hour two of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins right now. Well, this is some crazy news. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is uh, showing pictures of uh, Harry Reams and Rocco Sofredi on the uh, floor of the house. <laughs> hey, we like what we like. <laughs> Yeah, you, baby, come into the bathroom with me. You just uh, okay. I'll let. I'll just let whatever happen. I guess you're just showing just random porn pictures now. I guess, I, you know what? I mean, just to make a point, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I think. I mean, I know that they're all avoiding it, like CNNs of the world, everything. But Marjorie Taylor Greene, as everyone knows, I don't like any politicians, and it's not my idea. <laughs> I think that was hilarious yesterday. I just think that that was hilarious showing those because 
Because Biden had messed with her like the day before by taking her words and putting them in a Biden ad. And so I just found it hilarious. I don't endorse or not endorse. At this point, with this government full of these fools, and really not even, fools lets them off the hook, malicious bastards, <laughs> you know, uh, that I just, if you, if now it's just a matter of, well, yeah, I found that funny. I found that hilarious. Even one of the Democrats, uh, I guess he tweeted something like, uh, maybe we should refer to Hunter as the big man. Yeah. <laughs> the big guy. The big guy. Yeah. That's like. <laughs> Uh, listen, uh, Several M&Ms. Acorn don't fall far from... Uh, yeah, yeah. All that good stuff. That thing. I, I'm going to put you, Tim Andrews, on a mission to find something, because I think you're the person for the job. So, uh, this is Jake Tapper. Ever hear of him? Yes. I saw, he was on, at the end of Wolf Blitzer's show, Jake Tapper was on. I'm like, what? why is he on yesterday? And uh, he was on to talk about his new book. And I thought, oh, he must have written some political book about whatever. But no, it's actually fiction, and I went and I looked at it. This is like his fourth fiction novel, and uh, it's called All the, Demon, All the Demons Are Here. And I'm looking at the uh, synopsis. There's a lot of story in here, and it's not co- – like, he doesn't have like another ghostwriter. It doesn't look like he, – he looks like he writes these things. Does he have a nom de plume? No, yeah, no, no, he does not have a nom de plume. Otherwise, I wouldn't know it was Jake Tapper. <laughs> maybe Jake Tapper take, is this. Take maybe Japper. May, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe Jake Tapper is this nom de plume, maybe. and his real name is uh, Fred take. Fred Marks. All right, uh, so here's the, here's the uh, you want to hear what the book's about? Yeah. It's 1977. Ike and Lucy, the kids of Senator Charlie and Margaret Martyr, are grown up and in trouble. Oh, boy. U.S. Marine Ike has gone AWOL after a military operation gone horribly wrong. Now he's off the grid, working on the pit crew of the moody stuntmaster Evil Knievel and hanging in the roughest dive bar in Montana. So this is... (laughs) His sister, Lucy, has become the star reporter of a brand new Washington, D.C. tabloid breaking stories about a serial killer and falling in with the wealthy, shady British family that owns the newspaper. As they deal with the weirdness and menace of the time, celebrities, cults, the rise of tabloid journalism, the death of Elvis Presley, the summer of Sam, and a time of national unease, Ike and Lucy soon realize that their words are not only full of compromises and bad choices, but danger. As their lives begin to spiral out of control, they also spiral towards one another. And the decisions they make could mean life and death, not only for them, but also their beloved parents. Now, first of all, I got to give it to them. I don't know. There's a lot. You know, that's the way books are supposed to be, right? This, that, the other thing. I don't know if it's a good book or a bad book or if he's a good writer or a bad writer. I do see that there's an audio book. And I'm assuming Jake Tapper, being a television celebrity, does do the audio. I did the research, and he does not on any of his books. Okay. None but, of the fiction stories. Okay, but even, I'm assuming between Ike and, and uh, Lucy, is it? Uh, there's got to be at least one sex scene. Aren't they brother and sister? No. They're, oh, yeah. Oh, they're oh, brother no. and sister. Sorry, too. sorry. I mean, it might be. You never sorry. Hey. Sorry, I missed know, that one. <laughs> Ike and Lucy. Why does it say that they also spiral towards one another? Oh, I, I read that the wrong way. I forgot that they were brother and sister at the top. And I assume. They're just very close. But yeah. if he is, but still, if he is writing fiction books. There's almost always, like, for some reason, like, you have to have, like, one, even if it's soft. Yeah. 
kind of maybe like Lucy's say, hanging so, out with a crowd in DC. That whoever's oh, yeah, doing the British family, yeah. whoever's doing whomever. Yeah. I want you to find out if any of the audiobooks, even if it's not Jake Tapper, I want to hear somebody reading the sex scenes from Let's do it ourselves. Jake, or not. we can or we can do it. First thing yeah. it is to identify do they exist? Even though he was my brother, there was something No, about him I'm not doing that. No. One. no. Oh, okay. Incest is could not you Please come in my office. I'd like <laughs> to talk to you about your most recent serial There we go. There we go. Oops, yes, ma- sir, is there anything I can do to improve? Hey, would you mind turning around and picking up the pen I dropped on the floor? In front <laughs> did, she of work oh, for, did she work for King Charles? Well, no. <laughs> well, they're a British family. Well, it is the 70s and we are upper crust. And I do know Prince Charles. He'll never be king. Trust me on that. I know that really what will happen is that his younger brother will be eventually be the king. Do you have one more expert say for me? That's just a job. That's just, I'm just putting you on the job. That's all. Uh, everybody look for it. Or if somebody listening knows, has read the, the uh, Jake Tapper novels. Um, out of four anybody, of them. Anybody a tap head? Out, any tap heads out there? Tap Out of all four of these fictional novels, I'm, I'm sensing there must be at least one passionate sex scene. There's got to be. Has to be. Uh, you got one more expert to say for yeah. us, and then we'll go to studies, surveys, and polls. From UPI.com, common prescription drugs may cause depression as side effect, experts say. Not over-the-counter. You're talking about prescri- prescription drugs yeah, that are so just... like your Adderalls, your ADHD drugs, um, even some birth control. Am, am, I, nose, am, nose am I wrong about this, that almost everybody in your generation is on drugs? On, like, mood? I don't mean, like, getting high. I mean, prescription, I notice mood. a lot of my friends... Take Adderall. Should I? Can I just buy Adderall as a stock? <laughs> well, who makes without it? anything yeah. else? I mean, this is—it's an insane. Everybody is depressed. My wife was telling me she's talking. She's down in Florida, and she was having a conversation with, uh, you know, like kids, like 25, 27. and she said, uh, "This girl was—it's like it's funny with this generation. They'll talk about their emotions openly." But like they're robots, like yeah. they're not emotional when they're talking about their emotions, and and they, it seems zombie-like. And then she said, "Yeah." And then both the people I was talking to told me, uh, "Oh yeah, they're on these drugs. They're on Adderall. <laughs> they're on this. They're on that." It's like, is anybody really experiencing life anymore? <laughs> it's interesting. I, I've noticed that trait too. And like, what my like, for example, like I don't take any of those kind of drugs or anything like that. So what I like no, to do you is got a, you got enough of your, your, with your uh, allergies. Yeah, during the spring, I'm like on every. But that's a real steroid. thing. You're, you know, okay, drug makes that yeah. clear. I mean, that's a thing. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, some people don't need other kinds of drugs. But I think probably too many people are on them. Doesn't mean that some people shouldn't be on them, or that a lot of people shouldn't be on them. But that I think. Too many. It just seems like me when I meet young couples with families, like all of their kids are. All, yeah. Like their kids are all like my eight-year-old's on this, my eleven-year-old's on this, my fourteen-year-old's on this. And again, there has to be situations where that's necessary, but it just seems like it's too much. What's weird is when you initially talk to somebody, they go into that almost that monotone speech that your wife's talking about there, and they mention like this is how I feel about things. But I've noticed that maybe because it's a peer to me, I'm able to break through that. I'm always right. like, you're giving me the BS right now. Tell me how you're really feeling. And then whether they're on the drug or not, especially like a Adderall or something like that, right. you get the real side of the I person. thought Adderall was Adderall just is, focus. For sure. It is. And Adderall is 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 a, an, an amphetamine Cocaine pill. 
I know, but in a weird way, like Ritalin, you can use that to actually even out uh, right. Your but people don't do that. They use it and they like the um, sort of manic sort of feeling they get from it. But like what my wife is saying is not manic. She's saying it's like a right, robot. They're, is they're not talking to about me. Adderall. They're talking about being on mood stabilizers. Tell your wife to go to the next step to break through these people when she's talking to them. No, they're not. Inter- they're they're just not like they're whatever. <laughs> simply, they're not interesting enough people to go that far. Smile at Mark is. Uh, I look. At we that. only have enough time right here to open up the next segment. So let's do this. <laughs> It's time for studies, surveys, and polls. What he should have said is, it's almost time for that. We'll do that when we return. All right, we open studies, surveys, and polls. Let's not let the people down. We don't want to be known as one of those shows where the host says we're going to do something, and then he never gets around to it. I hate those kind of shows. Don't you hate those kind of shows? (laughs) Let's not do that. So go ahead. All right, I have a new poll from Yahoo News and YouGov. Most Americans... Is that Y-O-U-Gov or just the letter? It is Y-O-U-Gov. So it depends m- on who's saying it. Sometimes it's me-gov. You, me-gov, me-gov, <laughs> you-gov. They-gov. That means, that we're, that means we're, we're both okay. You-gov, me-gov. <laughs> Everybody's covered. So what's my way of uh, saying you do you? You govern you. <laughs> they have determined over there that most Americans say that Biden and Trump are not fit to serve as president in 2024. Yeah, this is true. This is, uh, uh, this is you know, it's interesting. It is interesting. We're a country of 330 million people. There Now, listen, you've got people who have convinced themselves that Biden's the greatest thing in the world, and you've got people who have convinced themselves that Trump is the greatest thing in the world. You have a bunch of people who are like, all right, whatever. If I have to choose, I'll pick this one or that <laughs> yeah. one. But there's a sizable group of people in this country who just feel like, why are we be- we don't want to make this choice. We don't want either of these. We we I think most of the country would like to see a president I don't know between 55 and 65. You don't have to be 40. That's a little too young here. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be 42. <laughs> but I think we'd like to see we we want a president who maybe doesn't you know have to be wrapped in an electric blanket for a half an hour before they can get out of bed. <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> or take a Lipitor. Yeah. Or yeah, I don't know. I it just it is interesting that this is being forced on us. The media doesn't really report this stuff. They report um any sort of third party thing or outside figure like RFK JR. You know, he's now all of a sudden not only bad or wrong or shouldn't be president, he's anti Semitic, he's racist, he's you know, all of these things. And that's the media. Don't don't mess with this thing we got going. You know? Or ideas about third parties. Uh, the uh, what's this thing? The, the no labels yeah, the new, thing. The no labels. Another poll, kind of in the same vein here. A Monmouth University poll found that 16 percent of registered voters would vote for Joe Manchin for president. But see, the media won't talk about this discussion of wow. There's a lot. See, it, news would be interesting to tune into. You know, if you talked about things, this is interesting. There's a sizable number of Americans who are going to vote who don't want Trump or Biden. And yet the whole thing is still set up as this binary choice. We're a 50-50 country. Well, we're more than that. The sizable amount of us don't want either of these jokers. Uh, Smile at Mark is a travel advisor. Hey, once again, I want to thank all the lawyers out there. You can thank, what's the latest thing? Well, all of your chicken McNuggets are going to be tepid from now on. No more. <laughs> You're going to have nearly cold chicken McNuggets because some idiot jury just get awarded $800,000 to somebody who got burned by a McNugget. Thank you, lawyers. Thank you. <laughs>
Oh, is that what that means? Yes. Thank you for explaining. You're welcome. It's true, though, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Hubba, hubba. Although we shouldn't say that in this well, as long as we don't, era. As long as we don't. So you can be just as disgusting as a man as you've ever been. You just can't put any names to it. Right. Oh. Just going, huh? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> there, oh, hello. Everything he just said may or may not be true, but if it's not true, WSB and all affiliated parties cannot be held responsible for it not being true. Oh, it's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Even Autumn's chiming in. <laughs> she knows. That's what everybody yeah. knows. Everybody knows. I uh, on the pre-show we had an hour pre-show, so I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I was talking a little bit about this Jason Aldean thing, which I don't really care about. Um, and I spoke yesterday about it. Basically, if you're going to get involved in kind of political stuff, then politics is a blood sport. So you'll be. But some of the uh, I, I always I feel like in these situations you should just go to Jason Aldean. Hey, Jason Aldean, are you a racist? Do you think that uh, white people are superior? Um, are you pro lynching? Because this is what they're saying. He's the, saying the song is pro lynching, which I can't stand any modern country music. So I got nothing. You know, I'm, I guarantee you, there's no Jason Aldean song I've ever heard in my life. But it just does, objectively speaking, somebody involved in a career, it doesn't seem like you get together and say, you know what I'm going to do? Let the world know that I'm in favor of lynching. <laughs> it just doesn't seem like something. That would be marketable, or so. So, uh, I my assumption is that he's not. And in a sane world, you would just go, "Hey, Jason Aldean, some people are asking questions with this video. Are are you a racist?" Do you? And if he says, "No, I'm not a racist, and I don't, I'm not pro lynching," then you can go, "Okay, thank you." Asked and answered. But we live in a world where sociology is sociology professors and professional sociologists actually believe that they're so smart that they know you're a racist when you don't. So even if you go to the person and say, "Hey, are you you think whites are superior to other races?" or and he says, "No," and the sociologist says, "Well, he may say that, but I'm the expert." <laughs> and I know it. And so I and don't it, I don't know the song. Yeah. But if he's talking about like things being different in the quote good old days kind no, of No, that's not what he's talking about. No, okay. But he's talking about he's basically the name of the song is Try That. What is it? Try that in, in a small time. In in a Try small that town. in a small time. So okay. he's he's got like riots and stuff going on and whatever. Okay. And uh and so what whatever the purpose of the song is, what I'm pretty sure is that this Jason Aldean who I know nothing about I think it's safe to assume he's not pro-lynching. But the thing comes along, and it's uh, it's this whole thing with the culture wars. The reason I get to it, because I don't really care about that. Um, when you look at like, the Bud Light thing, where people are just very, very ecstatic that, ah, oh, we showed them. Well, we showed them. They had Bud Light's lost $44 billion, and we showed them. And what I want to say, and maybe this is a little bit too much, I don't know. What I want to say to anyone who's on that I don't care, any side of the culture war, but Bud Light side, the part that boycotted Bud Light, that, was, that wasn't even close. <laughs> I mean, they made their point. I get it. But what I would say to people celebrating that is your mistake, your actual mistake, and you're not going to, because you've won this round, you know, Bud Light belongs to us, Bud Light speaks for us, doesn't speak for these non-traditional things, whatever. No, actually, what your mistake was, ever believing that Bud Light represented you or your lifestyle. You were propagandized into that. You were 
advertised into that. Bud Light cannot have an advertising campaign in which they say, this is the best tasting beer in the world. We've won this award, that award, that award, that award. Bud Light's a decent beer, but it's not the best beer in the world. It's not going to be advertised that way. So you advertise toward lifestyle. So to me, it's a Pyrrhic victory because I don't really think people understand the reality. The reality isn't that you fought back and you got and you let the people at Bud Light know that they no longer represent you in your life. And you're still not realizing they never did. It's a product. And when you have a product that is not being touted as the best ever of all time in your category, the next thing you do in branding and advertising is you go for lifestyle. If I want teenage girls with blue hair to buy a product in the commercial, I'm going to show teenage girls with blue hair buying it and going, hey, look at this, blah, 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 because that's how advertising works. If you really want to be free, recognize that Budweiser and Bud Light never represented you, your values, your lifestyle, your worldview, or any of that. They just convinced you of it through advertising, which is paid propaganda. You're making this guy upset. I know, I know. He's, you never lost, <laughs> no, I'm saying to you, is, you, never, you never lost Bud Light. Because you never, Bud Light never represented you. They represent me, man. And let me tell you this, ever since Spuds McKenzie, yeah. I was a fan. Yeah. I was a fan. I was 15 when he came out, Spuds McKenzie. And that's why I started drinking Bud Light. I snuck it out of my dad's basement. And then uh, and now I can't I can't even put my lips toward the can. No, you can't. People are just... It reminds me of the that's 19... A, I, I tried it with the culture wars. If I can just get through to a few people, no matter what side you're on, I guarantee you, you're just a puppet on the string of a billionaire. They don't really care about you. Bud Light will come back to you for one reason. They want to make money. That's the only reason they bothered with you to begin with. You need to understand the world around you. Smiling Mark, covering the slow ride. Boy, Fox News has become one of those places where you have to have two jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse Waters and Greg Gutfeld is a... It's like back when I used to work at a restaurant. You work the morning shift and you have a couple hours off and you got to come back. <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> like, there's nobody else out there. Well, this is a good they're show. They're working doubles. And, yeah, they're working doubles. Yeah, a lot of the hosts, if they're not yeah. doing two shows, one of them has a radio show too. That's so it's, right. Yeah, it's and then, crazy. And there's also cleaning up down in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take the trash out while you're yeah, on your come on, break. Come on. I'll take it out during my uh, break. <laughs> <laughs> your sick break? <laughs> I have a jewel. Thank you very I'm much. Sorry, I still call it to uh, Go blue. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't. I see a story here that um, I don't. I don't. I don't. I haven't really dug into this, but uh, this isn't a good headline. Now, either it's a scare headline, and it doesn't add up to anything, or somebody should have thought about this before they passed the new law. More than seven hundred Georgia bridges can't handle heavier trucks allowed by new law, according to some officials. Now, if that's true, isn't that something that should have been discovered before you passed the law? 
And it shouldn't be like one of those things like, oh, why? We didn't think of that. Well, it would be the first thing you thought of. You're going to have heavier trucks. In government regulation, you're expecting two yeah. separate departments to talk to each other? <laughs> no, just say, if, if I'm saying, hey, I think that it would be better for Georgia because heavier trucks mean more product on the trucks. Okay, it's better for the economy. And that's better, and that's all we need to know. Good and, job! You did it! You're a good but boy. But the first thing I would think of wouldn't even be bridges. My first thing is, can the roads handle it? Because right. the roads are built for certain. And then, like, well, yeah, they have to go over bridges. So you'd think that this would have been worked out, or it's just a BS story, and whoever the official is is just somebody who just wants to cause trouble. I don't no, know. No, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the first. Because if you think about, like, all the building that they did in Midtown... And then how the streets can't couldn't handle it before they built, right. you know, in the footprint where there were 13 homes. Now there's, you know, 1,500 homes and a sky rise, you know? So yeah. they're not thinking about the, how the streets can handle that yeah, many but, more people. They're getting all that Biden money from the infrastructure It's bill. one thing to have to have people show up at City Hall and bitch about how crowded the streets are. It's a <laughs> whole different thing if bridges start collapsing. <laughs> This is a big weekend with Barbie and coming out, and people are excited. And some people are upset because, you know, that ideal look that Barbie has. But Tim told me that uh, in about a month, there's going to be a plus-size movie coming out. Carby. <laughs> Hour three of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins right now. I will say, I thought it was hilarious what Marjorie Taylor Greene did yesterday. I'm so, now, it's just a house, it's just a house of lunatics, Congress, and, now I just well I found that to be entertaining, but there was a point to it, and uh, I just saw something up there. I don't know if Fox was going over something, and I just some things are opinions and some things aren't. You know what's not an opinion? It's an actual thing that we now know happened. The FBI had the Hunter Biden laptop a year before the election. And somewhere like 10 or 11 months before the election, they verified that everything on it was that it was really Hunter Biden's laptop. And then they just sat back while three weeks before the election, that whole member of 50 intelligence agencies or former say this has got all the earmarks of Russian, you know, propaganda or whatever, disinformation, right? That's what I just told you isn't my opinion. It's not my speculation. All these things you're told not to ever look into, it's a nothing burger. When you look into these things, this is something that I've known for months. Now I'm looking at the news and people saying, oh, the FBI knew. No, not an opinion. The FBI knew that that was Hunter Biden's laptop almost a year before the election. Now do that with, with that what you will. But you didn't just hear this talk show host opinion. That happened. Let's do this. And now, the future of the future with Greg Walsh. Greg Walsh or Greg Rush. Rolsh. Or both. <laughs> Greg Rush. My, my rage, uh, it's gone. I used to get really angry at that intro because you know yeah. how I am when people mispronounce my name. I know. No, I don't care. It does Whatever. bother I'm not going to change it. It's going to stay. <laughs> I remember when you were like 23 or 24, you were, we were drinking and uh, generally having good, fun conversation. And then he started telling the story about the day he graduated. And uh, when he... Um, the day before. It oh, wasn't the, the actual graduation. Oh, it was the, the day before. 
Wow. Rehearsal. It's the rehearsal. And you were, hey, that sets you so up with anxiety. He was still going to happen. <laughs> so the first, what's she say? Greg Roos. Roos. So when he's telling me the story some number of years after he's out of high school, I notice in the middle of it, he's still really angry. Like his face turns red. And he's like, I was, I'm like, hey, pal, there's nothing I can do for you. I'm like, there. <laughs> I, I, I nothing to do. I don't understand why this is still angering you so many years because later. Because it's not a difficult name. That's why. Eric. Listen to him it's now. It's not you a see? difficult name to pronounce. It's you look there. at it. What would your first uh, instinct be? Russ, not of course. Russ. I don't know where. I don't know why people feel in especially an academic, right? Really is especially somebody who's working for a school should notice. <laughs> a high I school mean, teacher. I mean, R U S E would be Ruse, maybe, but. R U S S is gonna be Russ every time. Like if you if you said if you spelled the word bus and then added another S, you wouldn't be like, oh, is this Boos? <laughs> is it possible? Greg Boos. Is it Boosie. possible that she glanced at the paper? You know, she's having to go through a lot of different don't names, and maybe she don't was defend Barbara. Don't defend. You're defending evil. You should. Do and something I won't about have it. it. Get retribution. All yeah. These years hey, you know that well, uh, the, they got days, uh, the chicken McNugget that burnt that little girl. They got eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this has obviously still affected your life. So I think you should. Uh, I think you should sue. Can I tell you something, Greg Russ? These days, I could get her fired. I feel. As yeah. If I reported her to the school. And wouldn't that feel hurt. good to take it somebody hurt. else's <laughs> life <laughs> to ruin her life? It would. Take it all away. <laughs> so, uh, Greg Russ, I forgot that you were doing. You're you're busy tomorrow, and you usually do this segment uh, tomorrow on Fridays. And I forgot about that. And I was going to send you a story, and I feel bad I didn't. But do you know this story? NASA enters the home stretch in its mission to reach a ten yeah thousand quadrillion dollar asteroid that's packed full of precious metals. Did you get that I, story? I, I I have that story. The one hundred and ten trillion is the world economy. Yeah, this asteroid is ten thousand quadrillion. quadrillion. <laughs> and but this is something I don't understand. So this is a this is part of the uh, asteroid belt. It's near Mars, right? Closer to it's so it's it's in the asteroid belt. It's been identified. The reason it's in the news is because it's uh, I think the on SpaceX like this thing is going to take like six years to get there. The, and this study. Is the first interplanetary Falcon Heavy launch. All right. So, but what I don't understand, they always say like if the value of this thing is what they say it is, ten thousand quadrillion dollars, <laughs> it will sink the whole equipment. But you still have to get it here. This is yeah. what I've never understood. <laughs> and then mine it, and, <laughs> or but, you get it. Well, close you would and mine, you mine it out it there. Space. Yeah, because if it would be something if a company spent so much money to get it back to Earth and then it burned up the oh, atmosphere. Yeah. Oh come on, Elon Musk is going to create some kind of net. You know, he's going to bring that thing and just right into our orbit. Uh, some uh, kind uh, of net, asteroid net. It has to be mined out there. You're right because if we just dropped it into our, it would it would burn up. Right? Oh no! But it mining it out there—it's not like it. No, it actually kills. So if you brought something that big in, it would just kill. Put us it off. on the moon. Uh, let's bring it. Listen, how do you get? I've never. I always hear these stories about how we're going to mine these things, but how? We don't have space trucks. Like what? Yet. How? We tried one. It was called the uh, the shuttle program. It cost so much money they shut it down. Yeah, but that was old tech. You know, now we have new tech. 
Oh, I'm going to send an F-250 out there now? Yeah. Well, Is I listen, it? Jared's a net dually. idea. See, thank you. I'll take my Peterbilt up there and drag it back. <laughs> I, I don't I'm think a there's, any, guy. there's no yeah. chance that it's going to sink the world economy because no one's going to be able to bring that stuff back here. We've never even been to Mars. Let alone go to a to the oh. asteroid belt and hey, I got a bunch of precious metals. Well, well NASA's just going to study. They're just going to study. Oh. This is not uh, to enrich themselves. That's what they say. This is my idea. Let's nudge it <laughs> into a place where we can like have it chill. How do they right? know it has everything in it? <laughs> well, they this is they can people tell believe by its, like, it. Signature well, yeah, people, people say. People, no, they believe that they, they don't know for a fact. That's what this is about. Okay. A couple of things. One is, it's the first time I believe that we're going to land on an asteroid or get close to an asteroid it's in the, the, it's in the, the belt. It's not the first time. In the belt, right? Or Because we're going to no, learn was, something. Yeah, we're going to learn something from it, but it's not the first time we've landed and taken pictures on an asteroid. All right. On a comet. We just did a comet. We did a comet, but I don't know that we've been to the asteroid oh. belt between Mars and Jupiter. What is the difference between a comet and an asteroid? A comet, a comet is out there is a, free float. It's, a, it's still in an orbit. It's a lone it's wolf. In, it's in an orbit uh, that's uh, that's not orbiting another planet. No, yeah, no, it's asteroids. Asteroids. It's, the... it's a it, no. The difference is one's a rock and one's ice. That's right. That's the difference. Asteroids are made up of metals and rocky material, while comets okay. are made of ice. And dust, then when they get closer material. to the sun, the reason they get uh, a tail is because they begin to melt. Then they go back out into the outer you space guys, and they one's freeze ice up again. And one's a rock. Yeah, guys. comets are much prettier. You guys than are making me look stupid here asteroids until I finally. Yeah, comets you are pretty. Upon, you knew it in your brain. You just like had to go through the Rolodex. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know there's a difference. What the hell is the difference? You're like the sun. That's why oh, asteroids don't have tails because they don't begin to melt as they get close to the sun. Right. Okay. So uh, no, they just blow up your planet. They no, just they, could do the same thing, but it'd be sure. pretty on the way down. Yeah. Oh. We like pretty. Glass half full. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess part of the thing is NASA's not saying we're going out there to see if we can collapse the world world economy. They're going to you know learn more about asteroids, but they they picked this one out in particular to find out is it really worth ten thousand quadrillion dollars and whose dollars. Well, what spends on Mars? I don't know. What do they accept? Is the uh, dollar the uh, default currency bricks. Bricks. for the entire? Is it all oh, bricks? Yeah. Bricksum. They're adding Mars. That global Mars South. Yeah, Bricksum. They're becoming universal. <laughs> yep. Got to have a uh, news break in for some weather information. I don't know how we got into the on the topic, but somehow we got into uh, slot machines. Most of them don't have the crank anymore, right? They have it on the side, and you can use it. But oh, you, you don't can need, use you don't it. need to. But no, why would the good ones don't have it? I, I like the illusion that I have that there's some tactile, like I'm winding it up, and it's. Most I know it's an illusion. Mechanical. Most of them aren't even mechanical. Yeah, they there's a lot of digital readouts, which Pretty I don't all. trust yeah, at just, all. You're just pushing a button. How, how oh, is there so fun? Much fun. The, oh, the sounds. So Come on, pulling the crank. Oh my gosh, crank! You were like, party felt like you're. Oh, I'm getting that wind up going. What's that newer game? I guess it's not new anymore. But Buffalo Gold. That one is so. I hate those games. I love that one. That's my jam. See, thank you. I don't even know you won. I was there last night. I'm worried about you. Really? I went to the casino last night. How much did you lose? I only lost eight dollars okay. because worried. I went in with a hundred, and then I lost and gained, and then I realized my all my little tickets collected was just under a hundred. So I was like, "Oh, I'm out. I'm good." Did you get some free booze? Yeah. I worry about yeah, you. That's nice. Is this one of those phony like casino like gambling's not legal, so you got to get a stuffed animal or no, something? No, it's legal here. I worry about Autumn Fisher. What, why? Because I was having a blast. Buffalo. Because yeah, uh, Buffalo. <laughs> I get ahead. I, I, I shoot ahead about 20, 25 years. 
I see a cigarette dangling. Eddie, <laughs> <laughs> you want to play some baccarat? I learned Chinese. Still smoke? Did, did they take smoking out of casinos? Depends. No, there's on where a section. Yeah, it's called the losers section. <laughs> uh, Greg Rush, you're gonna stick around whole, till seven. It's up to you. Casino is a losers selection <laughs> section. Nobody, nobody wins. I don't mean about the people, but just don't win. Hey, we got. Uh, listen, we got traffic to get to. Are you yes, going to stick yes. around? Go, All right, smile at Mark. The weather is making traffic. All right, is Greg Russ still with us? I am. For the last half hour of this here show, no podcast 30 on Thursdays because we do a one-hour pre-show. So when you download, because I care, it's nowhere in my contract. I don't have to do it, but because I care, we give you an extra hour. Usually it's 30 minutes before, 30 minutes after. This is the second Thursday, and every Thursday moving forward, we do an hour pre-show and no podcast 30. So, that's a shame. I was going to join. Maybe uh, I should join the pre-show sometime. Nah, but that's Georgia's territory. I don't want to. Well, no, no. It's not. Actually, uh, the host of the pre-show that you could have joined today, the host of the pre-show, Stefan Pappas, is on vacation with his family. So it's just me and George for an hour. I thought it went pre- quite well. It, it was, was pretty. This is pretty. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't hilarious. It was more of a you know politics and stuff like that. You but really laid out your worldview too. I think I kind of did. So uh, people seem to enjoy that. I don't know. It's very difficult for me to know when I've done well, and when I've totally just messed everything up. So I almost just always walk. Away, I walk away from every show thinking, "Wow, you stink!" <laughs> and then people sort of, "Hey, that was a good show," and they. I hear enough of that that I'm able to get out of bed the next day and come in and think I stink again. That's my life. Yes? Hey, whether you... Uh, weather. 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 <laughs> I get it. Hey. We got rid of that, didn't we? We don't do the... We do not. Uh, our boss... Are we losing the... We, we don't that have the... the sound of summer to me. That's our new one. That's our new one. Our new one is... <laughs> That's right. It's... it's <laughs> Did you, were you just doing that Annie Lennox song? Yeah. That's our new one. Dude, that's better. No more I love you. That would be great. Whatever you hear. You know there's severe weather. We hope everybody does okay. We hope power. a lot of people without power. Yeah, I see you zooming in on your Georgia power over there. I think that I'm doing all right. I don't know. This Georgia, the outage map says check by zip code, but I can't figure out where to put in my zip code. You know, if you live, you still have Georgia power. You know that mill in Roswell doesn't power? The water wheel doesn't power? Uh, The water wheel is down. For the summer. Unfortunately, we had to go back up on the grid. Well, you know, the funny thing, Eric, is if you lived in a city, you know, where they have blocks and everything like that, city blocks, you know, your power doesn't really go out. Because everything's underground. Yeah, exactly. Smart. Yeah, but trees are falling on top of you constantly. Not if you're at a high rise. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at you. Looking down upon the world. The the high rise will fall on trees. Clark (laughs) Howard. I saw Clark Howard today and we were like both, you know, and you see, hey, you know, we got to go to lunch or something, you know, next time, you know. He said, well, come to New York City and hang out with me. And I'm like, I don't like, I'm not going to, I don't I'll like. I'll take you to the Costco in Times Square. Yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want to sleep on the 23rd floor of anything. I just don't. When I was watching Succession, one of the things I thought I was like, I could never live like that. They all look like they work and live on the 400th floor. Like, I don't want to be looking down at the top of the Empire State With a building. porch. That would scare the hell out of me being out on that porch. With the wind coming yeah, in? I'd be afraid it would pick me up. I'd be scared out of my I, I just could not live. Now, I could go visit somebody. Obviously, I've stayed in hotels on the 16th floor, the 20th floor for one night or two nights. It's what you got to do. But I could never 
buy a unit on like the 40th floor oh, yeah, and just live my it. life like that. I would be scared out of my mind. I have. A, I mean, the, the people who can afford those things are very rich. So the reason that they have those balconies is when you're that rich, there are very major things that can go wrong in your life. So everyone has to have the opportunity <laughs> that's to right. show themselves. You want to be able to. <laughs> over the side. That's, you see it as a balcony. They see it as a way to avoid jail time. Exactly. <laughs> Autumn, you were saying, I feel like Greg's I, just been stepping all over you today. No, no, no. Yeah. I, have, I have some friends, and by friends, I mean people on a podcast that I listen to that oh, wow. live in a high rise. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop for one second. That's that's this close to voices in my head. Yeah. I have you can well, stop. We are going to get to this. I want I'm interested. But why do you consider them friends? I just wanted to say that they were friends because okay. it was that's all. All right. Um but they said that on their balcony they see helicopters go by at like eye level. No, no. Yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I'm not that doing happened that. in LA. When I was at that hotel in LA, there was a helicopter yeah, circling around an apartment complex down below, and I was at eye level. I was just watching it. Sorry. After living around through 9 11, I don't want to be in any building where aircraft is getting close to me at eye level. No, thank you. <laughs> I'd be waving and smiling more. I would just assume. I just assume that this thing is going to collapse while I'm sleeping. I don't know. <laughs> Call me a coward. When do you live Come underground? On. Huh? You don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> Middle Earth. Yeah. That's my place. Hey, Smiling Mark is not at eye level. But trees are- <laughs> bet you won't say that on there. I bet you're right. What were you saying? I, uh, I missed it. The, the punchline was Mayor of Venus, but that's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> people of Earth, there's a message for the Mayor of Venus. Lend me your ear. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, few little stories here to go through. Uh, very quickly before we go, uh, number one, I see this story. I don't know why anybody would want to do this. I know there are enough dumb people. I don't know. Not dumb. Eric, everybody who just does, doesn't live like you isn't dumb. See, I'm working on myself. I talk to myself like <laughs> Proud this. Proud of you. Uh, a new one more berating. I want you to really beat yourself <laughs> up when you screw up. No energy. Getting too old. Uh, a nude cruise is coming to Miami. <laughs> a nude cruise. How many people are on these cruise ships? Like... Well, the new one that they're building, the, the biggest one that's about to be launched. Yeah. Well, yeah, this looks the, like a... like 4,000 people. I don't know if this is a stock new photo. Sometimes farting. now, this is why uh, AI is going to take over news, because I don't know. I'm looking at a picture here. It could be a stock photo. could be the cruise ship that they're talking about. Maybe not. Who knows? Um, but it's just, it looks like an average cruise ship. Do you, anybody know how many people on average these floating malls? About 2,000. 2,000 oh, new people? That's what I'm saying, people? an average, yeah. Oh, the icon of the seas at full capacity will hold 9,950 yeah. Wait a minute, you're talking about... That's the biggest this is the, one. This is the biggest one. Right, that that's not the nude doing. one. That's not the nude one. The nude one's probably... Yeah, we can thousand. assume there's going to be at least 1,000 nude people around you. It's adults only, hopefully. And I'm sure they're all gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> also, if nude people are just kind of go milling about doing the mundane things of life, you know how like... At the buffet? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm getting to here. You know how like at a... Like some... In some... Because the... A city ordinance will say that if you're at a certain strip club somewhere, the strippers have to wear pasties on their breast. Shouldn't there be starfish pasties for a nude cruise? On theme. If you're If you're like, you know, if you're sitting down to eat your buffet breakfast the captain's and you get dinner back is... up, you're going to be leaving. I mean, I think people bring, especially sweat. in that nudie culture, I think they bring like towels a with doily, them so yeah. when they sit down. Oh, good. I want to I catch a glimpse of that before while I'm eating. 
I'd be the uh, towel you've been carrying around and sitting on, and <laughs> I want to catch a glance of that as I'm well, about it's to streaked. Yeah, the I, captain's dinner on those cruise ships is the fancy dinner. You're yeah. supposed to wear, a, if you're a man, a sports coat. So maybe they're naked, except for, uh, yeah, like a sports coat. coat. That, no, they're just wearing that. a tie. Can I have the crab? <laughs> You'll be you've already got it from Yahoo News, guys. You'll be happy to know that. Clothing is required for all meals taken in the dining rooms. Casual attire is fine in all of these venues. Bathrobes are not permitted in the dining room. So everywhere else, though, you're right. Yeah, I want to walk around. I don't know. I don't see the average cruise goer as somebody that I would like to see naked. Nothing against anybody. You know what? I wouldn't want to see me naked. So I, it's not something. I I don't. I'm not thinking that these are the most beautiful bodies. Could Uh, you imagine get together? Nude shuffleboard oh, is quite the experience. No. Basketball. Oh. Yes. Could you imagine when you pull Go-kart into a court? Go-kart racing. You pull gotta, in, they got to have like, those on cruise All the idiots now. are playing pickleball now, right? So that's got to be part of cruises now, right? I'm sure they've. Helped, I'm sure every cruise now has a pickleball court. Oh, my God. Get all water slides, too. Pickleball. Clean yourself up. Oh, clean yourself up and douse everybody <laughs> else in your DNA. That's disgusting. I'd be more worried when you show up to like an actual port. Like you show up in Jamaica and all of you guys are butt naked. Yeah. <laughs> Does the crew have to wear clothing? I hope not. Air the South Buck. I think people say butt. I think it's buck. And then people started saying butt naked. It's buck naked. It's buck. Yeah. Yeah, It's like chomping at the bit. That's champing. Champing at the bit. Uh, They're both right, right? I mean, the chomping works, but... I would love to continue this conversation. Butt naked. For the next hour. But the music is playing, and that music... in the butt. That music is telling us to shut the hell up and get the hell out, and we're going to do it. For all intensive purposes, the show's over. No. (laughs) (laughs) I could care. I couldn't care. Podcast 30 is not happening because we had a one-hour pre-show. One more show on the radio this week, tomorrow, 4 p.m. You're all invited to join us, but until then, continue on your journey. I do not piss off the gym. Thanks for listening to the Von Hessler Doctrine podcast. Remember, you can hear the show from 4 to 7 on 95.5 WSB and follow the doctrine on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter for even more content.